here we are with Exalted versus World of Darkness, City of the Bull God. Uh, I guess the outro episode. It is September 2022. And, oh yeah, we, we're just going to do names, guys. Uh, I'm Devin. Brendan. Peter. Holden. Sam. That's it. That's all of us. All right. Yeah. Cool. We did it. All right. Yeah. Right. This is the Brendan. All right. See you next campaign, everybody. All right. Eat shit. It'll be sponsored by nobody. Right. Eat shit, listeners and players. (laughs) We're not really doing this. Right. Okay. uh, So let's do the intro here. All right, listeners. So we just wrapped up a game of Exalted versus World of Darkness using um, some preliminary rules and stuff Holden put together for his new revision of Exalted versus Wad. Um, this is in September of 2022. I think we started this game in the early fall, late summer of 2021. And we just wrapped up two seasons. Um, the game took place in London. I think the chronological time the game took place was a year. Like we got a year tops, maybe 10 months. Uh, right? I mean, technically it's more like, uh, it, it, it's probably closer to like a year and six months. Cause there was that time, time dilation. Yeah. Yeah. We did time travel a bunch, no, but like, that doesn't yeah. count. So, um, if I you play... don't have to p- file taxes for it. It doesn't count as time passing. <laughs> yeah, there oh, okay. you go. So yeah, we had two infernals, a solar and Sam played a lunar that later became a Gatimian because Holden made rules for them and we wanted to play test them. And we did. Um, and they're being iterated on. And by the time you get to this episode, because I think this episode's going to come out in like, I don't know, 2023, maybe April, Mayish. I don't know, listeners. You'll know when it comes out. Um, <laughs> Holden guesses the Black Vault will be completely done and released. So you'll know a lot more about this stuff than we do, actually, by the time this comes out. Or you won't. And uh, you'll still be waiting. And it'll it'll subscribe be subscribe to my Patreon because I talk about it there. Yeah, there you go, right? <laughs> so, uh, I guess we should start with characters. So, who wants to... Oh, we're going to do the characters, and we're going to talk about the actual like game that took place, and then we're going to talk about the mechanics of Exalted versus Wad. So, that's the, I don't know, the order of operations listener. If, if this was a YouTube video, we maybe would have chapter links, but it, it's a podcast you're listening to on your drive to work. So, there you go. Uh, who wants to talk about their character first? There's no Sam real... does. Yeah, oh. Sam. All right, Sam, on the spot for Sam. Uh, all right, well... Uh... Rowan was a character that I made because I have no idea how World of Darkness works at all, and I wanted to experience it pretty fresh. So I'm going to admit there there wasn't a lot of thought that went into Rowan. It was just, I want to explore this world. I want to have a character that would be chewed up and spit out by World of Darkness, but instead he's the one that chews him up and spits him out, just because he's an exalt. So an, a sweet, innocent boy who is just weird. Um, I started as a Lunar, uh, because I like Lunars, um, but considering that I've never played World of Darkness, uh, the No Moon Lunars especially require a lot of, I would say, knowledge of the actual, you know, artifacts and whatnot of the, uh, World of Darkness itself. You know, you deal a lot with totems and whatnot, and I didn't know anything about that. Plus, I built my character just weird. So I was going to, at the season transition, switch and rebuild the character just from a mechanic standpoint. But then the Gatimians, which are probably my favorite exalt of all time, were released. And I 
thought it was a perfect opportunity to just play one for real this time. Um, we did, I've played them in like a mock-up sessions or something like that before. So I was excited to play it. I would say that I was pretty happy with Rowan. Um, I do wish I had put a little bit more thought into his trajectory and his personality and things before the hand, but he did the job I put him out for and he was a good anchor character, I think. Um, I didn't... Uh, one regret I do have is that I really should have thought out the Gatimian backstory. Uh, he's not a great Gatimian character, uh, for examples. Like, uh, he doesn't deal a whole lot with the other world that he came from, and I really should yeah. have thought that before. Um, well, we had to we had to basically backport him into it at the end of season one. So yeah, I w- wasn't so I was yeah, too happy done about with it, but. A lot of the mechanics and a lot of everything work with the assumption that you have a very strong uh, alternate world that you're from. Uh, from the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they absolutely do, especially with the uh, essence renewal uh, working as like making uh, other people believe uh, about your world. Yeah. So like it, not having a strong foundation for what the differences are between uh, uh, Gatimian Rowan's uh, Earth and uh, the World of Darkness Earth is like there weren't a whole lot of opportunities for you to actually get Essence back. Right. And it, it wasn't a big problem because we had a huge dragon's nest that we could just pop into whenever we needed. But it, if you were doing it the way I did, it probably would have been a large problem. Uh, I feel that's completely on me, though. Uh, I was using Gatimians off-brand, so I'm not upset with the rules or anything like that, but it is something that, if I were to play another Gatimian, I would focus much more heavily on. And also make a proper trajectory, because if if you've gotten to this point, you've heard that I kind of wander around feeling out a character for him for quite a while until I actually land on one. I mean, uh, I, I found that uh, getting to run scenes for you, it was a lot of um, you had like the, the, the basics of it. And then you and me kind of like spitballed and like, yes, ended at each other a lot. But it never got to such a point that like we were uh, just like making ridiculous assumptions back and forth. Like it, it didn't get to like a now it's time to go to space level of like yes ending if that makes any sense yeah uh, the the backstory i had was that this rowan the gatimian rowan was from a version where uh, england basically conquered the world even more than it has in our version so like the americas are uh, maybe a separate nation at this point but it's very recent uh and i was yeah. going to rib end of sadness more on that being like oh you're a part of the british you know you're an american sort of thing like that but honestly there was a lot more interesting stuff going on and i was happy with what was going on but i didn't want to bring it up too much i'm much more of a fill in the blank uh backstory type of person anyway so i was happy but i do regret not pushing it a little bit harder so that's pretty much my summary of rowan from a character standpoint that's fair. That's fair. Um, did you have any, uh, I guess, standout moments from the game that you really enjoyed or uh, any? 
put me on the spot like that. Are we talking characters? I thought we were going to move to story after we'd all done characters. Or... Oh, well, I mean, I meant for, like, I mean, I guess we could do it there. I was just kind of, like, trying to give, like, a good natural segue. But, yeah, if we want to switch over to someone else, give you some time to think on that. Okay. Yeah, let's let's keep to characters for the moment. I guess any any things that you really uh, wanted to play with with Rowan that you didn't get a chance to, either as uh, Lunar Rowan or Gatimian Rowan? No, I, I was quite happy. Again, I was quite happy. Uh, the only thing is I wish I'd uh, gotten him more solidified faster and uh, pushed him to be a bit more aggressive. He was very much a go-with-the-flow type of character, and that's not exactly an ex-alt. Yeah, Rowan spent a lot of the game basically emoting bewildered. and <laughs> Slightly yeah, fed naughty. up. <laughs> yeah. I... What? Yeah. Yeah. And uh and I felt like one of my only regrets for the game is we didn't get to spotlight Rowan more than we did. Well, that's may this may be my bias. I was absent for a lot of the Rowan spotlight stuff for one of the more reasons. But um yeah, I would have liked to see Rowan get um more time as a focal point of the game and I feel like he suffered a bit from having to cohabit with uh, stronger uh, personalities it's I I, I am not uh, to pull back the curtain I was dealing with a lot of stuff um, during the g- game I had to move for example yeah. so I honestly was just happy to just chill out for a, a recording session sometimes so I, that was partly on purpose from my part, just to relax a bit from life. That's fair, and it was, uh, and it was fun when you just, you know, Rowan yeah. would kind of disappear into the cut for a while, and then just suddenly bust out like, oh, and by the way, uh, especially once he was a Damian, yes, just bust out. Oh, and by the way, I can completely turn the scene upside down and tie it in a knot because <laughs> I have this crazy, stupid power you've all I forgotten about. Love oh powers. yeah yeah like yeah like being able to just switch where that stonehenge is like i had an entire like <laughs> combat ready to go there was like maps and everything drawn and then it's like no i'm gonna just sneak in there and like slap a little thing on there and boom you gotta now you're on our turf yes <laughs> the Gatimian version of uh neighborhood relocation scheme I resonate so much more with Gatimian charms, and I just I see that and I'm like, oh, I love where this is going. I can just do whatever. It, the old my biggest regret is I didn't get to use the Scooby Doo charm. Oh, the where it breaks. Reality. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The main ones. Uh, so fun. Yeah. So from a mechanics standpoint, uh, I I know what to do with Gatimian charms much better than Lunar charms. Oh yeah, there was a learning curve for sure as we were like yeah. iterating on that stuff. And uh, to 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 Holden's point, I I think that uh, he uh, I think that Holden was actually absent for a couple of the big Rowan centered uh, episodes, like the the first time that you guys went to Twenty Fenchurch Street. 
yeah. Um, I actually just finished editing that like on my end, like a couple days ago, and I completely forgot that you had done a uh, a different voice for uh, Rowan in deer in like man deer form. Yeah, I dropped that pretty quickly. That was. <laughs> Oh, I enjoyed I enjoyed the hell out of it because you were like, oh, yeah, I'm Rowan. I'm Rowan. I'm just doing my normal voice. And then like you're like, OK, yeah, I go into the man deer form. And you're like, hello. Like you're, you're clearly just like it, it's you. I just might clearly... need to go back and watch and listen to these episodes now. I was not I was not imagining the man deer talking like Mr. Bean. That's... <laughs> well, I, well, I didn't I didn't mean to do a Mr. Bean impression there, but OK. Hey, it's me. Oh. <laughs> Uh, fucked up. <laughs> Mr. Bean the Lunar. Uh, I, oh, God. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Okay, who wants to go next? Uh, do we, I, I'm going to nominate Rachel. Mm, nominate me, okay. Ooh, we're doing popcorn method, okay. Okay. It's either that or sit here for 20 seconds in complete silence. <laughs> it will be kind of on brand for us. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, oh. Sounds like Pete oh. just cut out for a little bit. He yeah, just, did. Yeah. He just started talking about his character. <laughs> and oh, no. Zencaster's like, no, we're not did, having did any Did we lose him? I think we lost uh, him. Uh, we can't do anything then because he controls the episode. Oh, we can't even... Oh, he's here. He can hear us talking, but we can't hear him. Someone in Discord... Te- oh, okay, is he saying that he can hear us talking? Peter, yeah. stop, you gotta stop the episode, Pete. And we're back. The mic disconnected or something. No oh boy. <laughs> okay, um, Rigel. So yeah, it was kind of interesting playing him, you know, all the Twilight shenanigans. It was kind of amusing, you know, breaking the crafting system so much that the Holden had to patch it up with a new chapter in the Black Vault. That's an accomplishment. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> so bad, yeah. Oh, wow. It was so broken that we had to go back and be like, well, we're going to let it break this once, and then we're <laughs> going to we're gonna fix it. This is your reward for being a good playtester. <laughs> ah, well, yeah, turns out mages are broken if you don't put any limits on what they can make. Well, I mean, oh, yeah, why would... Fucking God. Why would you put limits on what the mages can make? Because they're going to just accrue paradox and stop them from doing. Oh wait, you, you, you're not a mage. Do we? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I generated what one paradox, maybe tops. One, one. You generate fucking one because <laughs> money is a really fucking tightly tuned game. Mm-hmm. Turns out, if you make mincemeat to the vampires, well, Brownie doesn't care. We'll talk about that at systems later. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, other than that, I guess I just played him a bit straight. I didn't have really that much stuff defined for him. I don't know. Here's working museum at TGR Oxford. We didn't get to. Uh, I was considering doing like some of that uh, color curriculum thing where you can teach people with a lot of doubt. And in the end, okay, this would affect the story, just like you know, the infernal wish granting 
charms. It's like, oh, it's nice stuff in the background, but if we don't focus on those characters or those people, it doesn't really help that much. Yeah, it feels like if we did, if we do a third season, it would be like super Rigel centric because he's finally set up for uh, to be the to be the anchor for like the next arc, which I assume would be the we go out and fuck up the Ascension War arc. But we sort of ended there rather than actually getting to play that. Yeah. That's probably the best place to end it, though. Yeah, because yeah. then we would that would also mean a season of like mage mechanic centric stuff, and that would be. Well, actually, that's all on the GM. So yeah, it's all, all on me. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't care I, either I, way. Not my problem. Right? And the GM doesn't have to really give a shit about the dots. You can fudge them. You can fudge mage stats like real easy. None of the players are going to check your math. Like, oh, show your work on which what spheres does that? No, we don't care. We don't. We don't fucking care. No. Nope, you, you guys just go you guys that. just want it to be fun. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, they they do whatever the fuck they. I mean the 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 dice pool is always Arate, so whatever the fuck he's doing, it's it's, uh, it's like uh, that sounds about like a difficulty nine. Sure, why not? Yeah. But um, yeah, Rigel. I think Rigel was absolutely invaluable to this game because dear God, this group, group needed a straight man. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I suppose. Again, Leila turned out to be the straight man in this uh, you know, arrangement, it seems. He literally, he literally had Resources 5, which meant he was a super billionaire, and was Prince of Wizard Mars. <laughs> like, <laughs> he did a lot to ground the group in the world of darkness. Yeah. Like, he really it was did. a touchstone. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, a, mm-hmm. a place to kind of start from interacting with the supernatural world, which is what this. I mean, we'll get into that with the story, but. It's what this campaign really kind of ended up being about as compared to a lot of other Exalted versus Wad campaigns that people do. Mm-hmm. Well, you say that, that he's being grounded people, but then, you know, he has ants end of sadness, and then we play with some time shenanigans just to see whether it works. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. that was the other cool thing, um, is he was very much an enabler for a lot of the crazy shit that went on. So it's not like he was just pulling the other crazier characters, by which I mean End of Samus, (laughs) down to Earth. Um, Mm -hmm. Having having like a respectable face for the party was very useful. Yes. Um, Both in terms of utility and in terms of just moving the story along and having the group feel like this diverse group of exalts. Yeah. Um, I, plus, I guess it like brings us to some group of NPCs that, you know, turn out to be yeah. pretty interesting to the local mages. Because we thought that, who will be interacting with, really? Vampires? Uh, whoever werewolves, into maybe? Sadness gets into a, into a shit fight with this week. <laughs> um... Yeah. I, I, I really do appreciate that uh, for your background, you had you had the mentors, which were your parents, which were mages who were like already established. I, mm-hmm. I like Holden was saying, I think that having them come on super early to the game and start talking to people about like what the world of darkness was about kind of really helped with um, 
giving you guys some perspective without you guys having to necessarily do all the groundwork yourselves, which is what I find that a lot of Exalted versus World of Darkness, like, first couple of sessions are, is uh, learning about the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems to be, like, the thing that, like, at least in the first game, you people are like, oh, what are we? What's going on? Let's figure out our origin story. Like, ah, we don't care. We've done that already in the other game. <laughs> yeah. No, I built a character who did not give a fuck about that shit. Exactly. Yes, you did. I did not give a fuck where the power came from or what it was or what it meant or what we were. I knew what I was. And I knew what you guys were. I, I, I also appreciate that uh, since that uh, you guys were so deep into the mage world, it actually let me uh, throw some uh, mage lore at... At, at Devin, who clearly has not, who who's I don't think ever really looked too deep into mage stuff. So like when I started I, throwing like mage stuff at you, like I wasn't sure if I was getting just the end of sadness reaction or also the Devin reaction from I, it. I have never read a mage book. I, I don't care. I do not care about mage. I tried, but look, look, I I read Vampire the Masquerade and I've read like maybe half a werewolf book. Maybe I've read um, all of Wraith and a big chunk of Orpheus. I don't give a fuck about mage. It's boring as shit. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, you can talk about all this cool fucking stuff that you could do as a mage and it's, you know, oh, all this is going on and, you know, you're going to have to fight this war against the agents and stuff. And it's the technocracy. And it, none of that's going to happen. None of that shit's going to happen. It's all a lie. Every single part of the fucking mage game and book is a lie. You're not going to do cool shit. You're not going to do awesome shit. It's not going to be like jumping off a subway, dual wielding Uzis while using like, you know, uh, Doctor Strange stuff to shift gravity and go into the mirror dimension. None of that shit's going to happen. You're going to roll some dice. A bunch of ones are going to come up and you're going to botch and it's going to suck. And the entire scene's going to deflate immediately. And then you're going to explode. Yeah, or you can play Mage 20 and never fucking play because uh, no one plays Mage 20. Anyone who says they play Mage 20 is a liar <laughs> and has no honor and will go to Grethor when they die. Like, like uh. fucking look at Mage 20. God fucking damn it. I, I'm not even going to describe what's wrong with it. You know no, don't. With please it. don't look at Mage 20. Just like, pick up uh, Mage 2nd. You'll be much happier. Yeah, but I, I've read through Mage 2nd or Revised, 1st edition, whatever editions came out. I had a bunch of fucking Mage books that I had access to to read. The one with the tarot cards in the cover. Look. That's all four of them. Mage is a cool <laughs> fucking idea, but I... I, I I can't do it. And like the technocracy doesn't make any goddamn sense with how magic works. How come they're not constantly botching with paradox rules? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. They don't run the mechanics because the mechanics aren't the in-game universe. Yeah. But a hundred percent of the players have to use the mechanics. So that just means the players botch way more than the rest of the organizations and botching makes you not be able to use magic and you shouldn't be using your magic because using your magic gives you hubris or it makes your quintessence go down or wrinkles shows up and like fucks your mom in front of you. Like it's just a game about... Then you have to thank him. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but but I've read, like, I haven't read a mage book front to back, but I've read a lot of mage game reports, and I've, like, looked at how the world uh, of darkness... No, me- that... No, no, and, no, 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 and, no, no, and, no, no, And, no, and no, I've no, looked no, at no. how the world of darkness mechanics work, and I've read, like, people who've written mage talk about, like, oh, no, yeah, the that technocracy is, no. are learning about guys. mage. Learning about mage from the mage online community is like learning about Exalted from the Exalted online community. <laughs> you would come away with the, with the impression that it is a game about hero about uh, F F fourteen turning upside down to so the dinosaurs flying them could piss heroin on you in a flyby. No, the the mage community is um, hopefully not listening to this podcast <laughs> because I don't have anything 
the, the, put it this way. Um, I worked my... I, I blitzed um, White Wolf Management at the time to get a writing gig on Werewolf 20th. And I had the opportunity to do it again on Mage 20th. And I remained dead fucking silent. I sent no emails. I hobnobbed with nobody. I didn't try to get on that project because speaking as the former Exalted developer who spent fucking 17 years in the trenches of the Exalted Forum on the White Wolf and the Onyx Path websites. The mage player base, the mage fandom scares the shit out of me. I don't want to deal with that level of crazy. You know how fucking crazy the the mage players one. There's this one notorious mage player on one of the the discords or whatever. Like there, oh, only there. one. Well, this one is like I don't know. He's like uh, he's. He, I could throw a lot of words at you, like white supremacist and like weird pedophile and stuff, but you don't have to. I don't have. It's a mage player. You know, you've already. I've already kind of encapsulated it, right? So like. It does have a really that game does have a really really bad like libertarian tech road. Yeah, like like I read Mage Twenty because I thought Mage Twenty would be like the addition to read, and like the no. writer for Mage Twenty uh, invokes children being raped by their fathers a bunch of times in the opening fiction. So like I'm like oh, okay, this is for Mage fans. Yikes! I'll put that away. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh but this, I, this have, one, I have not read that. It's it's horrific. But uh, I in this in this Discord over the one mage fan that was fucking off their goddamn rocker. This was like a Chronicles of Dark- Darkness Discord was so mad that one of the Geese developers for Second Edition removed um, the machine powers that they're like machines can make you scary. They can make you be feared of death. I'm gonna find guy's name and I'm gonna put him in a machine press and we'll see what he's afraid of. And like of course the mods didn't ban him because you know assault you know making those kind of comments about developers for the game is normal as our slurs and stuff in the onyx path white wolf community but like that's how quickly he went zero to a hundred is someone wanted to take away a mechanic he liked an edition of a game no one played no one fucking played geese first edition fuck you but like because it was taken away he went nuts this Damn. is the guy yeah the- this tangent i did not think that it was going to go this way i was just commenting on like man i remember that one i remember that one uh that that one episode that i ran that was just uh pete and Devin, and it was just you guys hanging out at the club with mages and i really enjoyed it i know i brought that up with end of sadness end of sadness brought it up where it's like oh my god mages are fun to hang out with i thought you guys would be huge buzzkills (laughs) i thought this would be really bad i thought this would suck like shit oh wow you guys are fun because <laughs> like you know i expect mages to be fun i expect them to all be what every mage character i've ever seen uh growing up watching people play mage be which is just a big fucking nightmare a big oh, boring boring fucking nightmare i was still amused when you know you realized that technocracy technology is just magic bullshit anyway and it's mm-hmm. just the same rules with different splats and you just lost your shit I just lost complete interest, right? This is just a ray gun instead of a wand. I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah, pretty much. Really? They're just they're just wizards cosplaying as uh, Silicon Valley influencers. Yeah. Uh... 
It's so much like, less cool. Wh- wh- whatever, whatever. The yes, sound... instead of instead of invoking the sacred names of Michael Archangel, they're just invoking the New York Stock Exchange. Yes, right. Like if there's an onomatopoeia or sound effect for an erect penis deflating, it was that sound effect. Once I learned that, because <laughs> it's like the tech... someone letting the air out of a balloon. Yeah, yeah. But like it was like oh the technocracy like they're these cool men in black they have technology neuralizers iteration X there's a spaceship UFOs clones inside job everything from every conspiracy theory ever hypno rays mm-hmm. and it's like oh it's just magic it's like what yeah like you know like they're they're chemtrails that's just charm person I'm like oh it's like yeah you know like the the cool smart gun that shoots around corners that's just do damage with a spell I'm like oh. The Terminators? <laughs> yeah, Terminator's just a stone golem. Shut your fucking hole. I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to tell you, okay? Mage sucks. <laughs> Sobness. Sons of Ether. Oh, oh, Sons of Ether? Fuck. Let's, Sons of Ether, the oh, only no. thing I know about them. The only thing I know about them is, much like Malkavians, they weren't in Chronicles of Darkness, and everyone lost their fucking mind trying to backport them in, even though they're boring as shit. Ooh, steampunk! Jesus H. Fucking Christ! I love steampunk. Steampunk. <laughs> steampunk. Steampunk sucks for this and only this reason. This is oh. the only reason it sucks. Okay, oh, well, everything okay. else about it is fine. Steampunk sucks because inevitably, the type of people who like the Sons of Ether without actually looking into why they like the Sons of Ether or why they like like anything that has a steampunk aesthetic without actually being related to where steampunk came from is completely missing the forest for the trees. The reason steampunk stories are about like nobles and pirates and people in fashionable clothes or like grease and have like goggles and tools on them. And they're taking airships is because steampunk's based off Victoria era, London where the air was so fucking deadly. People would take trips to the countryside as a doctor's recommendation to clear their head because the countryside can heal your heart. What it really was, they just weren't breathing in asbestos and the charred fucking bones of orphans being thrown to the furnace after they died in the mines. Okay? That's why Steampunk has airships and, like, flying shit in it and rockets and stuff. It's so people can get away. It's so the rich and the wealthy and the lucky poor privateers and pirates can float above the smog of the industrial hell of London and escape to a bright bright blue sky for once in their miserable lives. (laughs) And no one acknowledges that with Steampunk. I don't agree with you, actually. Cyberpunk is about the evils of capitalism. Steampunk is about the evils of Victoria, about English people. (laughs) (laughs) I I believe the answer, I believe the correct uh, uh, conclusion that sounds was industrialization, but yes. No, just the British. Beans and toast. (laughs) It's uh, it's the British. Yeah, it's it's the British. You know, beans and toast, other things about British people, people what, hate, what was, I can't what, think what of. Was, what, how did that old Tumblr post go? My, my uh, history professor, what parasite was responsible for the potato famine? The tired voice in my brain, don't say the English. It's 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 correct, but don't say the English. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but that, that's that's why, why like, people who just... Says. Yeah, who just blindly talk about the, the, the Sons of Ether or Steampunk as, like, a thing without, like, connecting it to the thing it, it's very much modern cyberpunk for me like that's what makes it suck for me where it's like modern cyberpunk is all about that the modern mainstream cyberpunk has nothing to do with capitalism and exploitation is a disease that's destroying our humanity and our society and ruining us instead the new edition of shadowruns like 
all shadow runners who exist on the periphery and don't have IDs secretly hope to be Mr. Johnson one day. They really want to throat that boot and be the boot that gets throated. That's cyberpunk, baby. For me, that is where 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 steampunk landed, basically, in, in the popular consensus. It just makes me irritated. Not that's mad, not, just irritated. That's not how I took steampunk at all. But I respect yeah. your opinion. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't. Anyway. Let's be over this, people. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, it's, it's just topical. But speaking of Rigel... Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Is there any other stuff you wanted to uh, talk about uh, about Rigel? Do you get to talk about Not... Rigel? Is <laughs> <laughs> well, there anything you wanted to talk about Rigel? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, Devopsia Butterflies is a killer in the right oh hands. Okay, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, once you once you started using Death of City and Butterflies, the game was over. <laughs> uh, here I was thinking like Black Shots yeah. Fall like that's what my go-to. No. No. But yeah. Once you become your Twilight and then you start you know adding on to it and you have twenty dice at the low difficulty and so on, like, well, I would only difficulty three. I wonder how many successes will I get? Is it 15 again? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Is it aggravated the creatures of darkness? Have fun. I, I like that your character was a solution to problems, but that's just because of the, the, like, outside of the broken crafting system thing where you could just literally do anything. But it's like, whatever issues that would come up, you had solutions to them that were, like, interesting to move things along or would streamline shit that we didn't want to deal with. And your parents being mentors was just excellent. That was a good, yes. that was a good pick. You should do that more. That, that's a good one. I mean, that's what I'm playing for heaven for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll tie that all in, but like having, yeah. having kind of like a cluster like that of like resources and, and role-playing stuff yeah. to bounce off of. It's solid work. Uh, I, I kind of well, wish, I kind of wish the stars got more, uh, a little more screen time. Yeah. Yeah. We oh, gave yeah. them a little bit more yeah. in uh, the one episode that you missed, Evan. Oh, no, for sure. I, I know y'all went to uh, to uh, Wizard Epcot on Mars. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Yeah. See, yeah, the problem with mages is that they're so far removed from, you know, the ground eventually that it's kind of hard to put them in. Right. Oh. But yeah. Especially with large mages, where that you know the world of darkness goes. Hey, you shouldn't be <coughs> on the on the real world anymore, bud. Right. Get no. good scrub. Go to the new server. Yeah, it was interesting delving into the whole uh, ascension war and figure out hmm, how much would it take to just make infinite amount of you know mages. And turns out that solar charm you can be more like. If you're built for it, you can, well, the only limit is your essence renewal, which in Dragon's Nest, that means like four or five of them an hour. So you just keep churning them up, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than that, yeah, it's kind of. I was hoping to showcase my fascination to make mages, but that didn't come up because it was so late and everything. Yeah, I mean, we, we have a solid setup if we, ever, if we ever come back and do a season three or something in the future where we could just like do a season three for fun. But if, if we did do a season three, I would love it to be in uh, exalted in an exalted versus wad remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I just, I just, j- feel... j- just take, just take even more stress off of me. I would appreciate that. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. But like uh, the solar parts of it were fun. Like how did you like playing a solar? You're basically a Swiss army knife for every role. Like you had 80, hundred dice for any role at, at any time. And you're a solar. So you had an infinite di- uh, moat pool for it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's one charm where I can substitute anything for using my you know, Godu strats, and yeah, that lets me just plug in any hole I wanted and see that, you know, and everything else I had wasn't really all that essence expensive. I wasn't like the main combat person or anything like that. That meant until you know, that I last could do anything. Oh, yeah, then I'll just turret. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I would have liked for more mage stuff to come up connected to you specifically connected to you like winning the ascension war or us having or you having like rivals in the technocracy and stuff but like it just didn't get to come up so I think I think those have been good for your character because you were everyone thought you were a baby mage but you weren't a baby mage you were something else. If yeah. if we do a season three, I think that uh, my my focus would be on uh technocracy the ascension war and uh getting out of london and dealing with the other exalts that have popped up throughout the world yeah 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 we've definitely we've definitely gone loud enough to attract non-local attention by this Mm -hmm. point oh yeah i know Uh, you also didn't deal a lot with your uh relationship to the uh the university and the uh, museum. Yeah, we got yeah, to the we... museum like twice, right? Yeah, we got to the museum like twice, fighting the Setites and well, stopping them from stealing stuff and so on. So it wasn't all that interesting. Yeah, we didn't do anything with being the Oxford teacher. I also wanted to do something with like the uh, him calling dead languages with a linguistic charm. That was a eh, small thing. I was ready to do my that avatar form in the last fight if in case Rigel dropped dead, but that didn't go to anything. And yeah, oh, small stuff that got missed, but oh well. Don't have time for everything. Yeah, you uh, you taking that charm that let you uh, get back up was actually one of the reasons that I really went hard on uh, on the abyssal stats. I like really tried to push him to be like, oh, I'm going to fuck someone up. That's a good idea. <laughs> Unfortunately, I kind of screwed that by knowing how to play this game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, that was that was fantastic. I loved being able to just be like, well, I, I can't do anything with him, but also Layla can't do anything else. So, like, if, I will take that as a win if, I, if they, <laughs> they both deadlock each other. Yeah, it was kind of weird with the whole the own characters did look at one another in the final fight. It happens. That is a very old... Uh, that the site is old as Exalted First Edition. Just two mutually indestructible motherfuckers rocking up on one another and fighting for hours. Hmm. Uh, that, that whole thing, you know, in, in uh, the epics, and then they, they exchange sword blows from dawn till dusk till dawn again, you know. Yeah, dawns do that. <laughs> oh, God. Five ball bulwark stance. I've seen fights like that in uh, Second Edition Exalted, and I was playing with sewer people. And yeah, fights <laughs> would take a fight would take like an entire day, and it was just not nothing. Just nothing happened. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's the worst. And like, and like, it's probably not exactly Exalted Second Edition's fault, but like for me, it was even more deflated because. Oh no! Second edition was fucking terrible. Oh, it was, but but this this is this is an outlier because like no matter what the f- mattered in the fight, it did it didn't matter. Like the fights didn't matter because if the GM, I was running with sewer people, remember? 
So if the GM wanted the players to win the fight, then he would, uh, then even if like he killed it, cause he, you know, he'd have like a special novel plot he'd want. Right. So if he mm. wanted the players to live for his special novel, cause he wrote them into the special novel, then it, the, the stats didn't matter. They'd eventually live or the bad guys would die. Or he'd just say they died if at a certain role. And if he wanted us to lose, we just lose eventually. So you got to do like an eight, maybe 12 hour exalted segmentation tick combat. And it didn't matter. It was predetermined before you even got there. Jesus. So I, I, I just I just see that kind of gameplay where it's like, oh, yeah, it's a tactical and you're trading blows back and forth. I'm like, oh, God, no. I, 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 I only have so much time on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whereas um, the, the, the guy that I made for that, uh, he was just a by the book built up exalt like i gave him the exact amount of xp that you guys had so it was just me throwing it another character at you which was like i think was an interesting way to do for like a play test to actually see how that they uh they go yeah yeah no he was going to beat Layla if they just kept going uh because he was ahead of her on modes and she did not uh, he was he he was going to get through uh, her soap before she managed to get through his uh, five-hole bulwark stance plus the soak behind it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, my, go- uh, my go-to after that was going to be uh, if I'd had to, ta- to tackle him, my idea was to go to grappling and hope he couldn't... and hope he had uh, dick for brawl so he couldn't actually... Then I'd only need to get one to actually land one hit because I don't think you can break out of the grapple at that point. Um, I think that he had pretty decent brawl, if I recall. I can just pull mm. up the character sheet and let you know. Mm. But okay, then, yeah, she was. In trouble. That is neither here nor there. Uh, yeah. eh, oh. Okay, it was okay. Wouldn't say he uh, had some... dick for it, but uh, he definitely wasn't maxed out. Uh, neither was mine. I, what did? Let me fucking pull up Layla. She. What did? As as horribly killy as she was. You know what? I'll I'll do that later. We're on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. So, anything else before we switch over to the next person? I think that's everything that I had for my character. I suppose. Okay. I guess, uh, Holden, you pick who gets to go next. Or not Holden, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I guess Holden can go next. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I looked it up. Yeah, she had Dex 3 Brawl 3. That is what carried me through the entire campaign. All of that bullshit. Yeah, he had Dex Five Brawl Three, so that would have been uh, it. Would have been down to the dice, I think, at that point. Uh, no, yeah, he would have. Well, Shintai Forum gives me a little bit more Dex, but he, now he's he's probably going to just take control of that grapple, and things will get nasty from there. Um, okay. So part of the reason we did this game is I was bitching and moaning about wanting to play an, uh, an Infernal. Having wanted to do so for quite a while. While I was working on revised um, Exalted Restrooms. And my initial plans were to lean very heavily into the 
demon emperor to be angled. And that sort of got shot to hell when Devin showed up. (laughs) 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 As I'm putting, as I'm like carefully tooling character together, he just walked in and was like, there's my character. Oh, that's exactly the one I was going to play. I bought every (laughs) cult power. Yeah. Yeah, Layla has, has a vestigial cult one on the character sheet that never actually appeared. And um, basically wasn't there. Um, no, I I eventually took it off and uh, replaced it with something. Um, fame one. I don't know. Mm. Um, so... Instead, I just leaned into, uh, I wrote that little thicklet to get her started and just kind of leaned into that. Um, she ended up being the street, uh, the worm's eye view street level character. Um, coming at that from a very different angle than, um, Rowan because she's a much angrier character than Rowan. Um, Rowan is sort of like, okay, this is, Weird, and I don't like it. It was like, I, I, I this, I, I hate. I, this is weird, and I hate it, and I'm gonna kill it. So, um, yeah. So somehow our guitar witch ended up being like a wrecking ball. Also, that just happened because infernals, and because I was picking out of the uh, the the Lanka, uh charm tree. I went into wanting like the mind domination uh, break of motherfuckers' will powers, and I ended up using that like all of one or two times in the whole campaign. It just it just did not come up enough. Anybody who was like enough of a shithead that I'd want to unleash Ground um, of Fury on them, they were enough of a shithead that I just wanted to kill them instead. So, well, I'm glad that I could make really hateable NPCs. Definitely. Yeah, no, those powers are devastating. Like the the mind domination stuff. Like Nicole yeah. was using the Abyssal version in another game, and they were just super. I cool. use Crowned with Fury all of once. once. Andrew Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? By the way, I don't think yeah. I used it again. Yeah. Good. Good. I got an alert about a connection thing. Um, yeah, a bit of lines. Maybe it's stuff. And we're back. Yeah, but yeah, Layla stuff is like. I don't know, like like the character Layla starts with that that PDF you did we were talking about back in the intro where it was like that mm-hmm. whole story about her, her stuff. That's basically the prelude to this game. The game opens with the Layla stuff telling you how a normal person became an exalt and why they're so fucking like amped up. And then it just leads it to, okay, and these are the types of people becoming magic led her to, basically. Yep. And, and these people were fucking freaks. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, that's harsh notes. <laughs> that's a that's a little harsh for Rigel and Rowan. The most downbeat one has antlers, you know. Yeah, first yeah, first of all, Rowan has antlers and is an architect student. Uh and Rigel is a Martian wizard prince. Wait a minute, why did you make it sound like both of those things were like equally in front to nature? You do remember I also described him as looking as a slightly like Avery from Pokemon. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. Avery from Pokemon. Avery from Pokemon. Oh man, are we doing this bit oh, again? Oh my god. Holy <laughs> shit, I was picturing very much what? the wrong thing this whole campaign. <laughs> <What? 
You, you had uh, to remind us of that like every time, dog. You can't just say yeah. that once. It was <laughs> a year ago. I was not clowning you on your your fashion sense nearly enough. Holy shit. Wait, are those sports shorts and a uh, ruffle and fucking uh, uh, ankle-high socks that also have a skirt around the cuff? Yes. <laughs> Ruffles. And, and uh, I believe they made it by... Ooh, I, I don't know if that's... Hmm. Well, now, oh, I got is it Rainbow Dash gloves. a protected species? <laughs> right? Oh, no. Rainbow Factory. He's wearing two different colored gloves of two different styles. Yes. Like, the purple glove is clearly the glove he uses to throw Pokeballs because it's a workout glove. It has a black uh, sole and a purple hand, backhand. So it's clearly one of those gloves for, like, rock climbing or whatever, so he doesn't, like, hurt his, his skin throwing Pokeballs constantly. With a detached glove. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, now now I understand why the party didn't really make fun of End of Sadness's poncho and sweatpants. <laughs> right. Now I know why you were all so subdued about that. Good <laughs> magician. What do you expect? Yes. <laughs> Y'all motherfuckers managed to make Layla look like, like she was dressed normally, okay? She is the straight person of the group. <laughs> she is. Most down to earth. Yeah, I just an enabler. Yeah, Layla was the was the ground character, Holden. Like, I, I, you're like, oh, I don't know how the Guitar Witch became the most relatable character. It's like you literally wrote a, a classic White Wolf intro fiction about a relatable mortal character becoming exalted to guide players who want to play exalted about how they should make it exalted versus what. But you 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 built an intro character, a very good one. <laughs> yeah, like like that's not like a sly or anything. It's just like. It's just like, hey, look, if you want to play a human being that's an exile in a world that makes sense and was written by someone who isn't quoting uh, who isn't quoting Tron or Transformers, this is how you do it. There's nothing about Layla that's a bit. I also apologize to anybody from the UK who listened to this podcast because I, I am fully aware that was a Scots accent and I have no idea why it happened. It just happened. No, it was perfect. And like, oh, God, I... I, I was waiting for an opportunity to drop the line where like Layla would say something end of sadness and walk away and end of sadness and go like, or, or I was waiting for, for Layla to have a moment at some point where she had like her greatest triumph ever. And it was sort of like the denouement. And like, we we're talking about how well she did. And then I decided to go like, yeah, she really did so well for herself despite that speech impediment. <laughs> <laughs> a kind of music. Uh, like the accent wasn't bad. You didn't do a bad Irish accent. It's just it was just making fun of Irish accents is fun. Making fun of British accents is fun. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. I felt like I ever got to do a Cockney accent. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed in myself now that I'm thinking back on it. <laughs> my, uh, my British friends are gonna have a kick about this when they hear it. Right. So basically, after rescoping the character around End of Sadness, if, I mean, we're, let's just be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that after, happened. After rescoping around that, I really don't have any regrets. I feel like I got to do everything I kind of wanted to do with the character. I kind of wish um, your your bandmates and like your, your your dead friend came up more. Like, I wish we got yeah. like we, we had a chance to do like a session or two where they showed up for like a little more screen time, like a little more yeah. stuff. Yeah, but that's always tough in these games yeah. to get the um like especially the like characters. the modern the modern like Onyx Path stuff. Um 
it assumes you're going to spend a lot of time focusing on like your wife or your brother, or your best friend from work, or and I've I've always found it like really hard to work those NPCs into actual play sessions. You know, we we had a pretty good run of doing that in Heaven for Everyone because everyone was a teenager, so all the major adults in their lives like were constantly in their lives like interacting with them or their siblings and shit. Um, it's kind of the, I don't know if it's something that we were really good at, but I think the, I think that like, you know, your teenagers in the eighties. So like your scope is much more limited, even though well, you're teenagers live in a fishbowl. So exactly. You know. So, so it's a lot easier to have these reoccurring characters and connections and, and strings to pull. Whereas dear God, we were barely able to go to Rigel's workplace at all. And I mean, yeah right. Like we did it after yeah. we did it after hours and fought vampires there. We we did it another time too. We we had to go on in to look at a computer or something or steal some tapes or fight someone. I don't know. I think I managed. To I, think, I think that every was single the same time y'all went there. Yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Remember, remember that wizard that uh, that I stepped on? He was there. He was working as the IT guy for that museum. Mm-hmm. Teddy. Mm-hmm. Teddy. Is Teddy the one that I one that we one shotted at? Yes. Yes. No. Yeah. Um. End of sadness got Teddy right. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Basically, cut him in half with a AK. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Dodge Ooh, this. Alter. He was like a tech wizard. Dodge this. He's an agent. Now he's a red chunky ragu. Right. Fuck. In the middle of Stonehenge, located at 20 Fenchurch Street. <laughs> we really fucked that city up. Oh, I'll like, put it back. Th- there were so many like good <laughs> moving parts to Layla. Like she had ties to, to Andrew Parker and the vampires. There were hooks for like her friend being dead and like getting all that together. That, that's such a good like arc to go through. It took two seasons to do that, didn't it? Like we did season one, yes. we did a bit of prep work, and then season two we actually did it. Like we had enough self-control to make it wait. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good move. That was an excellent fucking move. Yeah, because she was so closed mouthed and did not emotionally open up to the others for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. No, uh, on, on every level, Layla like drove a lot of the really good role playing, a lot of the good back and forths, uh, uh, you know, asking questions, like challenging the things we were doing, and like like bringing it down to the human level because Rigel and end of status would never say no. They would always go hundred percent. They would go as far as possible. Yeah. We commit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they, they're both characters kind of fly above the setting. Um, Rigel yeah, because he's, you know, British upper crust and basically has no, um, needs or desires that are not immediately fulfilled essentially um and end of sadness because they're batshit crazy and all of their needs and desires are unreasonable and things that they're working furiously on at all times yeah that's pretty much exactly what i was thinking and like like i was trying to compose that comparison in my head that's basically exactly what i was thinking too and rowan of course was like clueless weirdo um, yeah so. yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's accurate now that's that we accurate. know what, now we reminded that what rowan was wearing all the time like he was ready for the fucking wizard olympics yeah yeah <laughs> rowan's a fucking weirdo yeah he's always those, a weirdo those may just didn't throw him into the void by accident he fucking had like a desk in the architecture firm full of like funko pops that he hand painted yeah so <laughs> <laughs> stop it 
where yeah, where Layla was also had no fucking idea what was going on, but you know that's her her entire life has been all right. Well, we'll play this scenario by we'll play the situation by ear, you know. Yeah, like it, it was it was. I had a good time. With it. All four of the the characters were were so fucking distinct in what they contributed to the group dynamic. Like no one overlapped with anyone. Like all of them did something that no one else could do for the narrative and even for, and even for actions too. Like everyone had their thing and it, it stuck out. Yeah, you're right. It was refreshing. Mm -hmm. Like that was uh, that's a really good strength of Layla because the things that she had to do were difficult things. Like those are difficult parts that like being, being the grounded, like, like Layla is a character from a white wolf book, like a classic white wolf book. Like, like that, that is something you would just get out of like, Hey, how do you build a vampire? How do you build a werewolf? What do they look like? What do you, how do you expect them to play? How do you expect them to talk and think and react? How do you expect them to feel emotions and use their powers and like, like make decisions? Well, Layla church is a great example of what, if you're trying to play exalted versus what is like an actual real game from white wolf, that, that, that is how you do it. You do it like Layla did. It's pretty much what I wanted out of this. Uh, Layla, I feel Layla, like I got it. Layla never turned her face away from the supernatural conflict or plot stuff and tried to just like work as a waiter somewhere and not engage. And Layla also never tried to build a rocket ship to go shoot God out of an asteroid. Like she, she, she stuck directly to being a person. Which is yeah, like, that's she, difficult. She was a person with like a goal and, you let it uh even at the point where that you technically got your goal done because i think that you technically get parker like early before season one even ends oh yeah it's an early grab and you just drag that out as long as possible which is good yeah, we could have I, I i think uh before we started there were suggestions of like doing him for episode one and i was like no no i don't want no 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 that'd be a mistake huge mistake no he needed to last as long as possible without you like instantly like clowning him like like again dragging it out with andrew parker is something you'd see in like a novel or a work of fiction like that was paying attention to showing you what this stuff looked like you know a bad writer would kill andrew parker off in the first episode yeah i'm not or, saying anyone, i'm not saying anyone here sucks i'm saying this was a book like whoever would yeah, write that or would be a bad or just putting him front and center because I've, I I have seen uh, Exalted versus World of Darkness in action before. Yeah. I am fully aware that as soon as you put the villain in the room with the player characters, that is usually the end of them. It's happened every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever had a true rematch that wasn't like a little bit finagled or finicky. Like, uh, whoa, whoa, is it? We killed Negaroa and pieced out into the Umbra. Yeah. 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 And we were too busy to follow. Yeah. Like Negaron they... pieced out into the Umbra, and if you guys had done one more level of damage, he would have been gone and he wouldn't have shown up in the finale. Yeah, so like that I, I don't count that as like a like a oh they lived again for a rematch and hounded us. It was like, hey, we didn't kill this guy so we could have another dude in the fight that we know their name, so we could kill them yeah. even more elaborately. Like that's that's what that yes. was. And again, mm-hmm. the one that got away was another Exalt. So Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I know I'm, I'm cycling myself here on the, on the Layla stuff, but like on every level, how, how Layla was put together was one of the harder ways to play a character in Exalted versus what? Cause like 
there's a bunch of shit you had to engage with. And also like you built a character that was a music person. You actually knew music stuff that was like a little bit beyond surface levels. So like, I don't know Jack Diddley. (laughs) Uh, That was all like furious Googling five minutes before the game. Yeah. Well, well, that means, yeah, but but that, that means you did research that, that means you put like that, that that's the point. Okay, good to know. Furious Googling five minutes before something counts as research. You know, like, like it gave Layla... Like, I didn't question for a second that Layla didn't know shit about music because you didn't know shit about music. Like, it came off that Layla was, like, someone who existed in this career without it being, like, an info dump or anything. Like, end of said it's info dumped all the time. For Thank the God, because I was... Uh, thank God, because I uh, had imposter syndrome the entire time, every time her career came up. <laughs> R.I.P. to the rest of people who roleplay, but I'm different and better. Perhaps better than the gods. <laughs> oh, no, you were you, you were keeping up with me anytime that, like, music stuff came up. It was like, okay, cool, Layla's in, like, a metal band, so, uh... Hold, hold on, it was... Let's just throw some in- info here and see where this could go. It, it was to the point that I just thought that you were a music kid. Like, I, I just thought that you were like a record album kid. Go to oh, the concert fuck kid. No. Yeah, I just assumed that about you through Layla because Layla just had enough surface interaction and like research done that she just pulled it off that well. I'm like, oh yeah, Holden's probably a music kid. That's why he knows this stuff. All right. I didn't question that. that. Yeah. I honestly assumed the same. No, just basic writer research. Yeah, exactly. Which, which I which actually paid off like really well for the game once with that stupid fucking club with the indoor pool. That's a real place. Yeah, oh, there you go, right? So that I that I oh. turned up as I was googling like some of the, like what are some of the five shittiest clubs in London? You know, uh, I was trying to do her her intro story, and I ran across that. I was like, okay, that is weird enough. I gotta keep that in my back pocket. Hmm. This is uh, closed permanently now, thank God. Um, evil never dies. But it was it was a real place. It was really open uh, during season one. Mm-hmm. I still can't believe it. And also, yeah, yeah, like you did London research and stuff. I I didn't know London research. I didn't do any of that shit. Are you crazy? But like you had <laughs> London knowledge, so like it just it just Layla seemed like a complete character, like like just right out the gate. At, at conception done. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess and, then we only have one sp- more person to talk and about spent, unless of course Holden's yeah, got something else. No, and uh, spent a very great deal of the game bouncing off of and of Sadness, the other Infernal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was interesting seeing like two Infernals in a game with totally different builds. Holy yeah. shit, not- right? Yeah, and I felt like End of Sadness, um, you know, if she was just the grounded World of Darkness example character, he, end of, the, uh, the end of Sadness, that they were the just push it to the hilt. Jack yeah. Kirby. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Kirby, With, that shit. But without feeling. Um, there's a thing that uh, people will do. I've been, in, I've been in these games where they just sort of. Um, Particularly for a setting they don't know much about, or it's like, okay, we're going to play game. You know, game has a very defined setting, um, and without do, like even looking at a single page of a single book, or even like browsing a wiki summation, they just come up with a character, and it's like it, uh, it best like a quarter way fits in. You have to kind of crowbar it into the setting, but it's like, okay, well, I I know about vampires, so like. 
the so I've got this character and like he's uh he wants to find the vampire that bit him so he can kill him and become human again. Well, that's not really how Vampire the Masquerade works or what we do, but uh, okay. Mm-hmm. End of Sadness is like at the opposite end of that spectrum. They are the go loud, go hard character that feels fully congruent with Exalted versus World of Darkness. I, I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I, I, the, the exact pull, the at the exact other end of the spectrum from Layla, but I would still equally point to them and go, "This is what you can do with this game." Yeah, that, that's good because that, that that was a lot of the intent. Like like. I, I get. Should I start talking about it? Should I start taking over now? Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. Right. So, yeah, so yeah. I, I, segue done. <laughs> the the intent with End of Sadness was I looked at like, I, and this wasn't like a like a foreseen intent. This was something that was going on as I was building the character. Was in Exalted, there are always these big fuck you huge charms that can, that say that they can fundamentally change the setting, and no one ever really gets to them so no one ever gets to play test them so everyone, no one ever gets to see how actually satisfying they are to get and use in a game frequently and this was something i sort of grabbed onto as i was designing end of sadness like i wanted um i wanted a lot of those four and five dot charms that were supposed to be a big fucking deal and see if they actually were a big fucking deal and most of them were actually and we, we did some workshopping as we went along to kind of correct things i felt were like a little out of balance or a little out of harmony with, with the intent of like enjoying to buy this stuff. But that significantly alters the tone of any character. If all you're picking up are those abilities, like end of sadness was a difficult character, uh, not to run in the game in the game. It was easy. It was very natural. Cause like I, I had a lot of like the structure of who they were built out in my mind. And I was just like, Running the character off of that, even if it didn't get into the actual game, the responses and reactions came from a place of, like, structure. End of Sadness wasn't a random character. They didn't have, like... I didn't just make stuff up for them. I had stuff for them. And as it came up, it just sort of naturally, like... That's how they would react. It was just... Finger snap, right? Uh, the difficult parts, though, were, like... They, they, they got so out of hand with with how much screen time they got. And it really frustrates me. Like, it's it's something that that I think I've brought up multiple times whenever we've talked about this. And, like, it's it's kind of my my final word on it at the end of the game is if I could do this game over, I probably wouldn't have done end of sadness. I probably would have done something a little different, but it's good that I did because Hey, I, I very rarely get to do a character this big, loud and wide. Like end of sadness was built tall and wide. If you think of like a five X game where like they had a very, very strong focus on what they were supposed to be doing and what their motivation was. And they had mm-hmm. a ridiculously wide reach to accomplish those goals, even before the other players came into it which is a little frustrating because it started like, like, like it started making like interaction, like end of status can basically go off and play their own version of the game in the background. And I hate that. Uh, it's, it's not a good thing for a character to ha- be able to do. It's not healthy for mm. any narrative. Um, like it's basically the, the, the exalted crafter issue where a crafter can fuck off and do crafting stuff while the rest of the party actually plays the game or the hacker issue. Like I, I, I stumbled into that with End of Sadness basically on my own. To, to, without, I, I don't, without... I don't, I don't know. I don't agree. I don't agree because End of Sadness is their thing. Um, amassing this big cult. Um, be they are, forgive me, um, but very much from the Elon Musk school of like move fast and break stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're so in pursuit of their goals, they're going to make huge waves and aggro everybody in the setting who might be 
put out by someone completely upending um, capitalism in London, you know, which is pretty yeah. much every supernatural with a stake in London. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's, I, that's very different from just I sit in my workshop and I beat on a piece of metal mm-hmm. for 20 sessions. Well, so so I some think. problems that I, I had to like I had to like not do so they didn't come up in the game. Like I made sure not to like use my ability to make machines alive to take over satellites. Because if you don't think about technology, the second you grab a satellite, things start snowballing very fast. And I knew if I did that, it would completely warp the game. So I didn't do that. Even though End of Sadness would have done that if this wasn't a game where we were all sharing and playing pretend with each other. And this was a narrative about a demigod that should not have become a demigod. <laughs> like, yeah, if you had done something like that, it would have uh, it would have snowballed very rapidly. And I think that the technocracy probably would have taken a much more center stage as the an- yeah. as the antagonist. Or, yeah. or just, just the social stuff I was doing where I was like, I was giving people whatever they wanted, you know, whether it was making them a femori or wishing them back together or stuff. You know, I was using big, wide social reach to change the fabric of society, but it didn't come up as much as it needed to because then it would just fucking dominate everything and like, like absolutely ruin the tone for the other three players. It, it's, it's something you have to always be watching when you're playing characters like this because it's a game. It's, it's people playing pretend together. You can't just fucking break shit and wreck shit for the other players. You have to, you have to have a handle on how you're you're contributing and how you're raising other people up. The first thing you should be thinking of when you're playing a game. I'm talking not to you guys. I'm talking to listeners right now. By the way, if you're wondering where this is coming from, this, this is the no, listeners. No, no, I got that. So, so it, when you're, you're your first priority when you're playing any game isn't how you can make your character better. It's how you can raise other people's characters up and like highlight their plot lines. This serves a dual purpose. One, it's just fucking polite and it's a good thing to do with your friends. Two, it means for sure that your character will be involved in the story, involved in the scenes and involved what's going on without it being all about them. There were many times in this game, if you go back in retrospect to look at it, where someone else was doing something, I tried to do my damnedest to make sure End of Sadness cared about it and wanted to contribute in some way without really trying to completely fucking bulldoze it and just be like, oh, I can solve that instantly. Like, there were times that did happen, but that's inevitable. Like, Peter has that same thing going on because the characters have very weird, like, 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 spectrums that Holden was talking about. Like, if the two Infernals were on one spectrum... Um, then like End of Sadness and Rigel were on a spectrum opposite of Layla and uh, uh, Rowan for just like resource access and problem solving access and how they could like make things go away. Like th- th- that was, if you can analyze these four characters, that, th- that two characters pair up against two other characters and basically every configuration for a bunch of really fun things. Like, uh, Rowan and Rigel, as far as I understand, they're real people that lived like a middle class plus life, right? Like at the very least, Rowan had like like a fine life in London before he like became an yeah. adult. He, I well, would say upper middle class. Well, uh, as far as I can tell, Layla and End of Sadness both came from shit. Like they were both fucking destitute poor before they exalted. Mm-hmm. And like that's interesting. But then when they exalted, you know, well now end of sadness and Rigel are the ones that have all the resources. Like it just, it just kept spinning like that or how combat characters were done or, or power yeah. access. Yeah. Or... End of sadness, end of sadness and Rigel, um, as powerful as they were, their biggest asset, both of them 
was their backgrounds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, Lay- or Layla and Rowan essentially had no flex in that department, and if they needed to solve a problem, they showed up in person to crush it with charms. Exactly. Because that's all they fucking love. Mm-hmm. So when I was going through the character, like I, I was stressed about how their backstory would come up. It didn't really come up fully in game. I think we alluded to it enough that it just makes sense by the time you get through two seasons. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how I how I'd pitch it. It's like there was someone who grew up in a commune in the Appalachian Trail, and they eventually became in charge of that commune, and it eventually they they got killed off by Pentex. That that's the story. Like like something bad happened, and from that end of sadness, exalted and escaped and came to London, like. It's a very simple, basic plot, and like the the character then decided this was when they were mortal. It, they sound outlandish when you put it down or try to describe it, but then you look at like actual history and actual like even American history with like how individualistic some people get and like the wild fucking things people do, like the nuclear Boy Scout and stuff. And it's like, no, this this is actually pretty reasonable. It's reasonable in a world of darkness. This could have happened uh, and gotten as far as it did before something stepped in to put them down. That yep. makes sense to me. Um, I just think it's my own kind of like, I was just nervous about it because it sounded super corny to go with. But after two seasons, I feel like it landed and it landed just as well as it needed to. Um, End of Sadness was essentially on this, the main character of this campaign. Yeah, and yeah. I, I know that's a compliment to some, but to me, it just it just, it just, it just hurts on the inside to hear that because <laughs> I, hate, I hate that so much. I try so hard not to do that. <laughs> it always lands somewhere in I know. just about every game. Well, true ensemble, true like equal ensembles are rarer than him, Steve. For sure. And, and I'm loud. I'm really loud. And I talk a lot. And like with the cameras, like if we were in person, I would be cutting you guys off so much less. I promise you. <laughs> it's way yeah. easier for me to pace myself when I'm actually seeing people in real life to not just do that. But this this fucking audio thing, this this uh, internet thing is rough for that. Um, I mean, uh, it, uh, it was inevitable for a lot of reasons. Rowan is designed to be kind of quiet by nature. And then Sam was going through stuff and um, yeah. laid back and laid back in some sessions as a result. Mm-hmm. So it was Layla is also designed to be a very reactive character. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want a whole lot, especially once she's taken out Andrew, uh, got Andrew Parker under her thumb. She's thinks she's basically got pretty much everything she's after. So she's very much a counter puncher. Mm-hmm. So it's exactly. good. It's good. That we had a character that would like, very firmly fixed goals and very aggressively pursuing them and just very much walks out in the forefront of every situation. For sure. Because this group needed that. Yeah, no, it, that is essential for a lot of games too. Um, what what I always have told people when, when I go about making characters is I do two things. I I have a goal, an objective, something the character wants, and I make sure they have a plan for how they're going to get it. It doesn't have to be a good plan. It doesn't have to be a plan that'll work. The goal doesn't have to be attainable. The goal doesn't have to make sense. But it has to exist. And the character has to have thought about it. The character has to have a concept of why they are here. And that pushes a lot of story and a lot of narratives and a lot of character interaction forward because it gives your character stakes and internal logic. Isn't it a little bit like Exalted 2e-ism where you... Had to have some sort of like grand goal you were aspiring uh, to. Uh, you're talking about motivation and that that sucked shit. But yeah, that that, <laughs> that that is a little bit of that. This just came from a it came from a different area because I never really engaged with second edition on that level mm-hmm. before this came up. This just came up from just like iterating running games over years, basically, where it's like Fair. 
if, if you have a goal, an objective, you know, like, like, you know, here's an anecdote. Here's an anecdote that has nothing to do with me, actually. Um, the, the sewer people I used to game with once upon a time ran a Ravenloft game. And it wasn't even the one where Atris came from. This is a different Ravenloft game, right? Oh, and, and we all sat down, we all had characters. And the idea was, is we were going to dick around in like Falcovnia or the Shadow Rift or something. We were going to dick around in some area we did not give a fuck about in real life because the GM had a special fucking novel to write, right? And we all sit down, we explain our characters, we're going to start, we're talking with ourselves in character, and one guy drops, oh, I'm here because this was the last place my wife was spotted. She was kidnapped by vampires, and I have to rescue her before she's turned into a vampire. And there was a beat. Like, everyone at the table, like, five other human beings stopped and looked at him. And there was, like, silence for a moment before someone goes, well, that's what the fucking game's about. <laughs> <laughs> Like, immediately, everything we were doing stopped. Every vague, half-baked, half-assed concept to follow along with the GM's Kill Goblin story just, 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 just was gone. And it was like, oh, shit, this guy is, needs to rescue his wife from vampires. There's his goal. And his plan was to follow the trail and go with it and find, like, other fucking killers for hire slash adventurers to point in that direction. That's really solid, right? And look, instantly the game had a purpose. Instantly the game became more than the sum of its parts. Instantly the game became something compelling that you wanted to go week for week to go to. That game did not last more than two sessions because those people sucked. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 knew, I knew. I knew the story ended in tears. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I didn't care about any of that shit because whatever. But like that moment is like fucking flash frozen into my brain when it comes to tabletop games and making characters. And this, this is why I tell the listeners, this is why I say to you guys, a goal and a plan to get it. Make your character internally consistent with that. Have them care about that and they will push everything <coughs> forward. And I don't was... think every character needs it. No, nope, not at all. Every table benefits from having one character like that. Mm -hmm. One, one is, if you have five characters like that, you have a fucking mess, which is one of Exalted Second Edition's problems. Yeah. Fucking motivation. Yeah. One is essential. Two would probably be perfect. Like mm -hmm. you need to have a strong motivation for what's going on there. And End of Sadness as a character, as a as a package of mechanics, needed that. Like it informed everything about how End of Sadness used their powers, about their limitations, about how they held themselves back, about why they pursued certain charms, and how they pursued certain charms, and how it was conceptualized to them. End of Sadness has an entirely different view on the world based on their extremely consistent backstory and what they are striving for. Like, they just believe all of you guys are the same as End of Sadness. They all believe you have a demon inside of you that talks to you that you're just ignoring or you have sublimated slash gaslit yourselves into thinking is your own thoughts. And there is literally nothing any of you ever did in the game. None of your characters ever, ever, ever once took any action or did anything or, or made any compelling argument to convince them otherwise one single iota. You're all infernals as far as End of Sadness understands it. You could all turn into a giant monster. And by the way, if fucking Peter had died and gone through his fucking Super Saiyan form, fuck all of you trying to tell him otherwise. <laughs> you all had Super Saiyan forms. You all had pocket yeah. dimensions. You all had other worlds. Peter literally had Mars. Layla had her own hell. Uh, Rowan had the cataract. You all had other demons inside of you. Rowan had one of his demons pop out and run away. Layla could turn into the monster. <laughs> Rigel had a super saiyan form. Like, 
all of the things that End of Sadness internalized as being themselves, you all had. And it, it, it completely validated their worldview because their worldview <laughs> was that far off baseline. It wrapped around to making sense. Right. I, I tried to make a character that looked at the world of darkness and looked at becoming exalted because I know a lot about exalted and the tones and the themes and the, the ways you're supposed to feel about it. It's supposed to be like fire in your veins. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I put that to a real person who had a pretty rough backstory and a pretty rough like end to their mortal life. And like, I, I ran off of, I ran that off of like guilt and like, you know, wanting to do better and them having like, like confidence issues and, and them like casting away parts of themselves. They just didn't want anymore and stuff. It, it was, it was all these things that made sense when you looked at the character and what they were picking. And that stuff was like, these are the things I was thinking of with End of Sadness. I wasn't thinking of like, oh, what NPC should they go after? Or like, what what supernatural should they fight? Or or what, what way should they establish a thing? Anytime I was thinking of what action End of Sadness would take, I looked inward to what their emotional state was. Because they were basically ruled by their emotions at all time. Mm-hmm. And the, the fucking thing I was planting early on that they were just suffering from long-term sleep deprivation. I gave them a one-dot flaw or a two-dot flaw called Nightmares. I gave them Nightmares. And, and nightmares is you have nightmares every night. And sometimes if you fail your willpower rule, you don't recover willpower, but you always have nightmares. So w- what does that look like two years uh, when you have stamina five and, you know, don't ever really wear out, but you never really get a good night's sleep ever for 500, 600 days straight. It looks like end of sadness. They, they, they had all the, the symptoms of sleep psychosis where they would get like these big, crazy, like, like delusions and paranoid thoughts which was everywhere. You, you, I'm sure I don't have to give you examples. You can see no. them, right? Like yeah. the breakdown with the Sedites having the end of sadness as symbol and ruining their image. Like the whole fucking like actual emotional snap there and like, like getting angry and aggressive. Like all of this stuff was there in the sleep deprivation. But I didn't want to be like a I, jokey punchline. I wanted to be like, I, no, no, guys, this can happen to people. Yeah, I mean, it also like it, it, it shows up as early as like 10 minutes into episode one. Yeah, uh, because like it's like, hey, where are we? Well, you know, I stole this RV and yada yada, and it's like, oh, uh, you did what, bud? And then it's like, hey, yeah. they're like, as the first social interaction, my thing was like, hey, I'm gonna just give, I'm going to give a wholesome old Scottish police officer who's like, hey, your tail lights out, bud, and your immediate reaction isn't, hey, we should pull over, hey, let's have a cool car chase. It was, let's call in a bunch of bomb threats. Yeah, call in a bomb threat and have his phone call to let him know a family member's in the hospital dying and he has to go now. And, like, it, it's kind of amazing because everyone else's reaction to that moment is like, what? No, just pull over. It's like, you, you guys want me to pull over for the cops? I don't have an ID. I don't have ID. I mean, you know, fair enough. He, he is American, so. It's true. But like, yeah, like, like all of all of that, I, I was constantly in the background trying to make sure it was consistent on some level. It had to be consistent or else the character would come off as a joke or just a grab bag of powers. And that, that would suck. <laughs> that wouldn't be fun to watch. Speaking of powers. Oh. It's really funny. I, I, I'm trying. End of Sadness actually didn't get to use their signature stuff very much. It was mostly minding. Oh yeah, oh my god! My dand is so bread and butter. Busted. Hole. It's not busted. It's just having telekinesis is useful. 
Um, so the funny thing is, I actually would like to queue up and do an Infernal again as a reaction to um, gaming with End of Sadness, because something we talked about uh, during the game was how much uh, you'd invested in being the, you know, the wish-granting genie, and how little you had the opportunity to actually use that on camera instead of just as a justification for your background. Yeah. You know? And I just, it's, it's fascinating to me because I now have the urge to, like, make, um, shit, I'm trying to remember, um, Verdant Emptiness Endowment? Is that the charm's name? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I would really like to make a Verdant Emptiness Endowment character because um, it's just, it's such a character defining mm-hmm. charm. Absolutely. Like, in like, the way you use it. Like, you, like, End of Sadness voluntarily cut themselves off from a lot of the power of that charm. Mm-hmm. Because they were insistent on using it ethically, and and I also my my one counterpoint to that is me using it ethically was me banking cred because at the very end, uh, well, not the very end, but like Vernon Evidence Devils lets you condemn someone to hell if they refuse your request, basically. Yes, and once you have your own hell, you can make that the target point. So I banked not you know, just giving it away, just, just being very light and breezy with it, not trying to find a bunch of thousand ways to fuck people over with it. Just, just being like, no, I'm a free genie. I'm a free fucking genie, whatever. So that when it was time for us to all rapture ourselves and go to hell, I could pull off a fucking rapture by using Verdant Empty Endowments in a way. No, I, I don't think anyone would have ever anticipated. No one would have thought to just give it away free to your cult. So whenever you want, you can just ripcord everyone off the face of the earth and <laughs> literally rapture them. It was pretty great. Right? Like, I'm proud of that. I am proud that I thought of that and I put all those pieces together and it got to happen in the game. That is really cool. That is the cool part of taking those big charms. Like, that that more than makes up for me not getting a lot of in-game screen time with it because it, 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 it lubricated so much stuff in the background, in the offline, as it were. But right there on screen, that was perfect. Yeah. It's like, it's the sort of power that I love, where you, where if you have it, you you are if you want to lean in, mm-hmm. like you made the you made the very deliberate choice not to, mm-hmm. or to lean into it in a very different way. Yeah, but I it means that different. But it means that you basically should be spending the entire game just scouting uh, every situation you're in, every social interaction, just waiting and evaluating everything every NPC does as, did they just express a desire? Right. Because if um, so, mine. <laughs> uh, uh, well, you, you unless they roll whatever. Which you intru- we, oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wanted to counter that with, with, you introduced a quality of life fix that made that more viable than it was previously, by the way. See, you originally had Exalted versus Wada Essence Expenditure working on you spend a certain amount in a, in a scene and you go yeah. Totemic. And that yeah. makes Verdant Emptiness Endowment fucking useless because it costs five motes a turn, goddammit. Or five <laughs> yep. motes of use. But yep. now that you've changed it to you can spend this many a turn and always stay like off the grid, or you can spend this much a turn and go off the grid for the rest of the scene, now a Verdant Emptiness Endowment infernal can actually do that and not immediately reveal himself. <laughs> Yes. Uh, I, one thing that we 
playtested in this is the in this campaign was the uh, new animal rules that are going into the black vault, and I would say they were a resounding success. Just yes. superior. Yes. In no, every absolutely. Yeah, I, I would. I would just. Revised. I would just have the entire fucking revised book you have. Just fucking put out a new edition where that's the default. <laughs> it's whole. It's it, it, oh, it's so much more useful, and it makes the game better, <laughs> and it makes more characters more possible. Like fucking have the classic rules be in the vaults. Like, hey, if you want to, if you want to hit your hand with a hammer, use these rules. Higher <laughs> <laughs> old essence ratings. Look, you guys are playing World of Darkness, so that means you love shitty rules. So here's oh, spending no. experience for your essence and, sp- and having the old anima rules. If you want to be retro, and make the good rules the default. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm a monster. Oh, yeah. fuck me. Is that an Amazon driver? Oh, no, I got a Texas spell. Oh, yeah. It was interesting seeing, like, that End of Sadness had a lot of charm that he only used in, like, in the background, like the Little Devil, the implants, and so on, like... You know, cool charm, but four dots just, you know, have Becca Monos in the background. Like, eh, okay. Yeah, I didn't, see, Vernon Emptiness is, de- or not that, uh, I mean, Latter-day Devil Implants, I have a lot of problems with it. Um, not on the cost, on one, you can't build your own femori. And I know that's so that people who play mage don't pick banality or whatever that, like, shuts down supernatural powers. But, like, look... I'm making machine implants for people, so I give someone a robot arm, but they might randomly be vomiting acid because they get an acid thrower. Like, uh, come on! Yes, yes, if the, yes, if the storyteller was a random input machine, but I mean... Well, like, like I, I just want the, the, like, all the Femori powers just need to have a little more, like, like, a little more talking to the people like just just talk about the intent more just just in a section in the black will be like hey look yeah, there's a bunch of powers yeah. from Mori. here's how you should be doing it yes here's that's why all i we want don't, here's why we don't let you specifically custom tool them but the intent is not that they're run through a fucking uh random number generator you're not rolling a d100 on a table yeah you know? hey, one second i'll be right back just keep talking yeah no i refuse oh, oh no <laughs> no okay <laughs> dead air dead air until then returns what if we just, you know, talk like shit out, Devin? <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. He's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know Devin that well to be able to talk shit about him. I, I just have this whole parasocial relationship here. Whoa, what are we talking shit about? Me back? I'm back. What was that? No, uh, we're talking about how much Canada sucks. It does. But what about uh, <laughs> abusing? Was it about abusing rules for making the the guys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you could. Yeah, you you absolutely could. Yeah, you you absolutely could have. Like, we could have totally like dug down and like di- uh, digged into the uh, into like the Fomori creation rules and just completely I, turned like so, all of your dudes into like fuck you, mages don't work around you. <laughs> so, vampires, so, who cares? So even though the 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 Fomori rules say you don't get to build your own Fomori, except for I think one of the charms kind of lets you does. Um, with End of Sadness, I actually sat down and I was starting to build out templates for cultists that were Femori based on the ways End of Sadness would give them their implants. Mm. And I maybe got maybe like four complete templates done before I went, this is fucking boring and stupid and stopped. Because at the end of the day, writing up full NPC template stat blocks for cultists feels more like I'm building a roster of Final Fantasy Tactic characters than I am just building characters. Like, like the 
yeah, I don't want there to be a build your own Fomori engine. That sucks. But it would be nice if in the Black Vault there was like a section for Fomori or maybe even Goons. But let's just say Fomori where it's like, hey. Yeah, yeah I get you. I get you. Not even just the essay or like just talking to player, but being like, hey, here's a battle Fomori template with a few options you can pick. And they only get one or two of these. Here is a social Fomori. Here is a blah Fomori. Or just be like, here's a basic Fomori. And here's just a little template kit you add on for like a few little variations, maybe use these guys. And if it's like a big fucking animal, like a gorilla, because I'm not going to lie, listeners, if you ever have the ability to make vampires or monsters, just go to a zoo. They're full of monsters. They're full of tigers and, and lions and elephants and shit. Uh, if I went a different direction with this, uh, I was just going to go to the zoo and just turn like elephants into bulldozer rocket launcher platforms and stuff. <laughs> you know, fuck uh, London. <laughs> if you have an inferno or a in the game, your zoos will be empty. Exactly, right? Or if you're a vampire player, or even if you're a, a lunar player, or in any type of player that can make use... Of, animals are here for our amusement, okay? That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the world... That's the world... Exalted versus World of Darkness uh, stance on it. Very resource <laughs> to tap. Season 3, the guru, kill, end of sadness. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, time, to, time to learn how to do werewolf combat. Right? Oh, Exalted so, versus Pita. So, so, so because all these high level charms, you know, are so defining, you'll see that, Hey, we just talked about Vernon emptiness. We just talked about latter day devil implants. They do actually matter. So the next one that matters is, um, the, the fucking hell charm, uh, building your own hell key to the kingdom. And that, that mm -hmm. was huge. It took a while. It took a lot of hoops to jump through. I think we've, we've eased those up a bit as we've gone along. So it might be easier for yeah. you guys, but I have heard everyone talk to fucking death about uh, being a devil tiger from Exalted. Oh, you get to be your own custom infernal and have your hell and it'll never happen because it's 9 billion XP and no one ever does it organically. So I want to see, you know, in an Exalted versus Wad game, if I could fucking get there as fast as possible and organically do it. And it took time, but we eventually got there. And then we got to play it and it mattered. It didn't matter in the ways that like, like if we did a season three, that hell would be outputting content all day every day for for in, for changing the story and changing the nature of the game so even though it didn't happen in season one and two i know it would in three and that is good enough for me i don't really care about doing a season three just to get my my money's worth out of it conceptually mm -hmm. i got enough of it down to go yeah if i was a player who was just trying to do this on their own because they really were down for it they could probably get there with the changes we've made in a reasonable amount of time and made a reasonable amount of changes. Obviously, I would prefer to have a little more explanation for what the various options do. Like, put a bit more text into that in the in the Black Vault for, like, each individual option. Be like, okay, this is the intent behind this. Okay, this is what this should be doing. Okay, this is what it means to be this when you're when you're picking your hell selections. Mm -hmm. it, 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 you gotta do that. It, it just helps a bit more. Um, but, like, the hell was huge for End of Sadness because it was, like... They wanted to escape. They wanted a place to go that they could bring people to like be away from this. They didn't want to change the world. I didn't want to play a character that wanted to conquer the planet or wanted to like rule everything. I wanted a character that could do the good they wanted to do and then fulfill their promise to their cultists, like their worshippers, and leave. The whole concept of worship with End of Sadness was they wanted to be like, like a classic, like they as a person, as a, as a human being who makes decisions and knows like what they're doing and knows the follies of being like a tyrant and like being a bad ruler and stuff. Like, like they, they've read books, they've watched TV shows, they know what a Star Wars is. But as a fundamental concept, they want to be like an Old Testament god, where it's like, look. I'll, I'll have people that are my favorite people. They are the people that I will devote 
like my my time and resources to and in return they'll devote themselves to me and i will uphold my end of the deal as long as they uphold their end of the deal okay it's it's a it's a sec synchrosanct compact it is it is real beyond real i will never break that fucking trust with them and they can always count on me even though i'm a big scary fucking monster that sometimes goes on tantrums and destroys parts of the world like that's old testament god worship right yeah Mm-hmm. That 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 was an intentional choice of Indestanus's part. They understood that they were a force of of uh, an instrument of destruction at various points. Like that, that that's how the demon, like the coagitator, pitched it to them that they were they were here to destroy things. And they're like, yeah, sure, but not my people and not the things I care about. And like the hell was how that represented itself. End of Sadness got to have their cake and eat it too. They got to send their people to a promised land, to a safe place where they were happy and everyone was happy and there was no more conflict or problems and people got exactly what they wanted out of the afterlife. They got to fulfill the promise of a Catholic heaven uh, in every way that it pitched it. And there was basically no downside to it except that End of Sadness couldn't stay there because Holden wrote the charm so that you can't always hide out in your base. <laughs> You're welcome. Which, no, that, that was good because it meant that End of Sadness had to keep escalating. And the escalation, that I didn't even know, I didn't even think about this. I didn't know how I was going to resolve this. And I decided that having a tantrum would have been uncool and that being super depressive and sad would have also been uncool. And that End of Sadness is a proactive character. So I had to find a proactive way for them to make a best fit. And the best fit was there's a rider the in of all manic episodes. Yeah. But, but that got really into the next charm. I, I took the charm that lets you, you uh, create uh, places of desolation um, all around you by spending essence. And I have infinite essence because of my dragon's nest and human sacrifice suspends it. What, what's it called? Um, barren wasteland infliction. Mm-hmm. But yeah. barren wasteland infliction has a rider where if you have keys to the kingdom, it looks like you're hell. If you do enough bloody sacrifices <coughs> to it. Yeah. So, here, here's why the heaven was perfect for End of Sadness. I, I, you know, without consulting the GM, I decided that where in when they're in the hell and they're inside, then they're the Viator, like when the vi- they're in their Shinte form, they can sleep without their nightmare sloth. The hell is has advanced technology, so it is advanced enough that it can eliminate that flaw entirely. When End of Sadness is in the hell of other people, in the hell of Null Space, they can just sleep. They can just rest. They don't get bothered by it. They, they, they can just fully unclench and they don't get to stay there full time so now they have to, so when i took it for for earth it's like yeah make make a hell on earth build an area that's a big fortified defensible position where you can always be the viator and always be like in the field position in his rib cage sleeping away while the viator takes over and the viator supposed to be an independent character i honestly like as a, as a as a person who made end of sadness the viator is an independent intelligence it's not completely divorced from end of sadness so and it's not like a multiple personality it's it's supposed to be like a like a charcoal etching from a wood carving of the most important parts i thought were of the viator of null space as an exalted character which was he deeply 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 fucking deeply cared about a talk his father slash himself like that's a core thing about the viator's entire writing he cares a lot. He cares so much. He's willing to try and reboot a Talkthon into being a predator of the other Titans. Like, it's his fucking driving goal. It's in every write-up I've ever seen of him. And and the other thing would be um, him being absolutely, like, torn up about failing. Like, he failed a Talkthon. He failed his father. He failed on every level and those those regrets and that mindset and that that one nightmare end of sadness has about the last city in a talkthon dying and everyone like suffocating 
was like traumatic, was like basically PTSD from the golden lands from a pre-Babylonian era rippling through into the present. That was the concept behind why the Viator was a different person from End of Sadness while still being like, you know, running on his brain. Like the, the Viator was, was you take that trauma and you run it through End of Sadness's mind and you get a facsimile of what the Viator could have been like if they were using a human mind and a human perspective to exist. Which is, you know, it's very out there as far as a concept goes, but it worked for me. Yay! Yeah, yeah Viator was definitely a very interesting character. Yeah, like like the, he's mm-hmm. supposed to be this this thing that traveled along with with the return of the exalted, um, and like that ties into past life memories and all that too. And I, I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But but barren wasteland and infliction meant that yeah, I can just spread that all over the world. And the intent for season three would be that you know, uh, end of sadness would would push um, the the dragon's nest as far <laughs> down as possible uh, into the earth so that the radius of the constant battle music that's always around the fighter because of the Shinte signature charm that can't be turned off. Those can't be turned off. Um, could be out of range of disrupting London. So I could just be at the bottom of the earth or the bottom of London in Viator form in their hell complex sleeping, existing. That's end of sadness. That's what they want. It's all they want. A character that's that, the same that, game, right? A character that was so aggressive about grabbing things and being out there and recruiting people and making themselves out in front and center and taking control and being a leader. And all they want to do is just curl up into a ball and go to a place where they're kind of always asleep, not really aware that they're awake. Like just dream. That was the pitch. That, that was the, the idea of, of the arc for the character. Like, how would you get to there from where I started? How would you get to to a place of peace when none of the rules really allow your character to have peace or or, or to be like to to find kind of like a perfect contentment or a perfect kind of like walled off safe zone? So it was a lot of using all these high level charms to make them interact the way I wanted them to interact. Right? The cult's loyal. The cult's super on the ball. Uh, they're 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 they they love end of sadness and stuff and like go to the hell and like want to be there. Um, none of the powers or the way he, uh, they use their power is like super destructive or disruptive to the cult members or to people who don't deserve it. Um, it's a lot of using that charm set for big swingy world changing stuff to be subdued and like in control, which was interesting. It was fun. I wouldn't do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I think we've got one more player that we, uh, need to or what need to talk about. Oh? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I, guess, I guess you're right there. Yeah. I guess that I do technically count as a player. Yeah, you get to talk about all the ca- every it. other character in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and all the rest. I guess this also kind of ties in with story and everything. So we can kind of go about that. Um, I guess... I guess the, uh, the, 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 the there were a couple standout uh, NPCs that I really uh, did enjoy playing with you all. Um, obviously, the stars get a very special mention. I think that they were mm-hmm. the longest running uh, recurring NPCs that we had because um, they just kind of kept showing up every now and again to do stuff. Um, there were a few others that I kind of... Like I, I, I kind of, I, 
I don't remember exactly, but I think that we kind of forgot that Whispers of the Void not necessarily existed, but he kind of faded into the background. Um, yeah, or, I, I would have cut him completely on review. Like, like I, I didn't need Whispers. Whispers was too much. I should have gotten rid of. I should have gotten rid of him. Extraneous. Yep. Um, I really enjoyed playing uh, the the on the ground uh, cabal of mages, uh, even though that some of them didn't really get more than uh, a couple scenes. Uh, Tobias was a personal favorite of mine just because he was kind of just kind of like a strung out like son of ether <laughs> who just kind of didn't like his lot in life and just kind of kept failing forward. <laughs> I like Tobias too. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed Millie as well. Um, I didn't Millie get as cool. much. Yeah. I didn't get as much of a chance to really flesh her out as I wanted to. But I mean, I think that's kind of the issue with having a sidereal mentor. Uh, for uh, the they, record, uh, for the record, Millie was my sidereal mentor on my character sheet because mm-hmm. God, I needed something to do with the background dots. And I asked uh, one then uh, right at the beginning of the, before the game started. I said I want my I want our I want my sidereal mentor to not necessarily have uh, Layla's best interests at heart, like at the end, to be angling to use uh, to use the infernals and then put them down like rabid dogs later on. And shh, don't tell the other players about this. Yeah, that, that was a good move. That was a solid yeah. fucking uh, prescient move. That was absolutely uh, her intentions. And with uh, there was actually a point, I think it was one of the episodes that uh, or one of the sessions that you missed when it, uh, they went and raided the Tremere Chantry. I was there for that. Oh, were you? Oh, you were. You were. That was the uh, when you when you dealt with the gargoyles. Yeah. The ancient sword so when, of the vampire king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when that uh, when Rowan uh, was talking to her, like if Rowan was like, oh, I don't want to learn martial arts. I want to know why you're here. She would have actually laid it down for him at that moment. Oh, oh, shit. Yeah, it would have been like, yeah, I'm just kind of I'm waiting for you guys to fuck up so I can like take you out. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, I wish I because had like, that now. because like, she had a whole character sheet built, and like, yeah, that she doesn't have. What? Well, that well, she suffers from the same problem that all scenarios have, which is their ox body technique is not the best. Um, she's really good at martial arts, and she will mess people off. Um. Besides that, I think that my one regret for this game was that I don't think that I got the opportunity to flesh out Mithras as much as I wanted to. Yeah. Um, he he kind of felt a little shoehorned in at the end, and I think that it kind of came down to I probably should have done something a little bit more related to him for season one's ending as opposed to what that I did, which I, I don't regret going and, you know, having the giant Nazi fight. But also I probably should have had you guys actually sit down with his uh, Demon the Fallen version and like actually chatted with him and kind of gotten some of his like ideology out there because 
basically what they uh, what happened when they Mithras gets bound up in the Earthbound stuff and Stonehenge or a bunch of different yada yada bullshit. Um, he basically only becomes like I only want my um my plan to succeed. He basically has like if you look at the Earthbound character sheet, it's like uh they have like three stats that are the equivalent of like the virtues from vampire and it's feeling uh sensation and thought and he has like the most minimum that i can put in feeling and sensation and he's just maxed out thought so all that he cares about is the plan which turns him into like this very uh gigantic world ending villain that has like the perfect plan and like he's basically xanatos gambiting all over the place everything that you do works towards his plan until the very end but because of that and because he's an earthbound who doesn't have an actual form he doesn't get any screen time which kind of it, it it does not work in his favor Yeah, um, it, I I feel like he made a pretty good accounting for himself in his final um, monologue off against End of Sadness, but uh, yeah, that would be just about the only criticism I could level is Earthbound are almost are pretty unique among the World of Darkness villains um, for Exalted versus World of Darkness in the they're about the only thing that could stand as a long-running villain because they can communicate so much power remotely through their thralls, and Mithras never really did that. We 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 kind of took Mithras out the way everybody goes out in Exwad, which is the first time they're in any meaningful sense in the same room as the Exalts is the last time that they're. <laughs> in the same room as the exalts right uh. and a, a lot of the a lot of the reasoning behind like you guys not seeing any of that is actually that like mithras is actually like he's not only got his fingers in like the camarilla and the local mages and the local werewolves and everything but he was also like the dude behind the entire nefandus plot like, he was the one who was giving the information to the Nefandi to be like, hey, end the world this way. Yep. And because that, you know, all of the, um, all, all of the, uh, every single time you guys ran into a Nefandi, it was like, we're going to just kill it. <laughs> Which, you know, the right thing to do. But because there was no real time to, like, interrogate him, or I think the one time you guys did have um, time to interrogate him, like, I was still a little lukewarm on exactly what I wanted Mithras to be, because, like, yeah. spoilers, I didn't really know that I wanted to do an Earthbound until, like, the the, the, the Elysium night. Yeah. No, I can see that. That, that. that could be hard to do, right? Like. Yeah, it would have been nice if we got just a, a little more FaceTime with, with Mithras to kind of flesh him out but like there were a lot of moving parts and you know what for for what we did get it, it's pretty good i think we got a pretty satisfying run all the way through because even if we didn't confront like mithras and their ideology directly 
dealing with like the Sedites, the other shitty vampires, the shitty mages, you know, the, the problems we were peeling with, they were kind of pulling back on what they, they were standing in for Mithras. In an, also, to I, be I, fair, every time, every time someone intimated that like there was a big, scary, supernatural thing lurking in the background, pulling the strings, our characters like on screen, diegetically, very explicitly rolled their eyes and made j- elaborate jack off motions in response. Yeah. So, like, we were not making it easy. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was like, oh, oh, that looks like a plot hook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I and by that uh by that idea I think that the Mithras's lieutenants uh the the people who were kind of like taking the big ones who were like uh spreading the orders around kind of had uh, a little bit more screen time so like Teddy, Millie, mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, all of them had a little bit more screen time. Uh they were more interesting and fleshed out. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I agree with that. Like, like that yep. helped. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, it should also be clear that this is, since it might not have come up on recording, that was something that we talked about off camera, uh, the whole kind of blowing off of the big bad. And it, it was mostly for comedic effect on camera. It, mm-hmm. We weren't doing that to uh, Brendan's big bad off camera. No, it just it just didn't it just it just worked out that way. Basically. Yeah, it's just like, it's just who the characters are. Yeah, yeah, like like we Mithras would never have mattered unless Mithras dared to get in our way, and look how that worked out for him. <laughs> Not well. Yeah, I mean, so, it took a lot of firepower to stop him. It did, but it did. <laughs> yeah, did is the operative word here. Uh, Freaking Earthbound have. Earthbound have too many ways to, like, they are, I think, one of the only things that has been able to uh, last more than a round or two with you all. Um, And, like, if I had given him a perfect reliquary, he wouldn't have had as much HP, but it would have been like, hey, guess what? You have to get over 10 successes to, or 10 success, excuse me. Um, you have to get over 10 successes on damage before he even takes a single point because he just auto soaks it and then he still gets a soak roll. My, uh, my one critique of Mithras at all, like the, the one big critique I have is in the final fight where it was like Stonehenge, then his battle form Stonehenge shouldn't have just been us rolling against Stonehenge. It should have been like, how to put it. Stonehenge should have been easier to damage, maybe more health levels, I don't know, and, like, the hell form or whatever should have been, like, the real... Like, the hell form should have showed up immediately and should have been mm-hmm. something we were contending with and trying to, like, split our time between containing the, the lieutenants, fighting off and, like, occupying the hell form, and someone trying to bash up the reliquary because the reliquary is, like, the linchpin here, but you can't ignore these things that are, like, attacking you every time. But that's hindsight and, like... Who cares, you know? Yeah, uh, if if I had done this, the, uh, so I was trying to keep it as close to rules as written with World of Darkness, but if I was going to go back and redo it to make it a little bit more epic, I would have just given, um, I would have just given them all kind of like a similar but very large health pool so that, like, they couldn't just get taken down. Um... I've done that before and I found that it works pretty well, except if the, the, except if like I, to 
tune it with too much soak or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like like there there'd have to be like a balance to it, but it's such it's such a petty complaint to be honest. Like it's just it's just mm-hmm. It would have been nice for the rhythm of the fight, I think. It would have made it a little more, uh, given us more opportunity to be a bit more dynamic than us. um, Because, like, we immediately went into siege mode, I think, as soon as that fight started. Like, we started to to be like, okay, what is the optimal pattern for us to engage and to start uh, fucking icing these uh, losers? Mm -hmm. As opposed to, like, maybe playing a bit more. Like, I, I was trying to play in that final fight a bit, but there wasn't a lot of, like, time or opportunity to do it. You know, you can't, you couldn't really play with your food. You had to get through it fast. I was, I mean, I, yeah, I was trying to as well, but as soon as that uh, hit went in, nearly zeroed Rowan and <laughs> Rigel, it was like, okay, business mode. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're both and, party members. And that's, that's not, that's not, you know, us as a group. That's just World of Darkness systems. You know, that's just how they work. Yeah. And Demon is, I've gone, I've gone into it before, I think on recording with Demon is such a fucking yes. Yeah. But but honestly, Brandon, um, like you doing all this stuff by the book is good because it shows you why by the book has uh, advantages and disadvantages um, to to a corollary. Uh, when I'm doing this stuff, for example, I'm not doing any of that fucking shit in Exalted versus what If I have an Earthbound, it's going to be like, oh, yes, dice to this, dice to this. I guess you can do this, this, yep. and this, and has a health track, whatever. Yeah, if this wasn't literally a play test, yeah. I would have been playing a little bit more fast and loose with it. I, I'll tell you what, listeners, uh, if you think that when I we have NPC exalts in Exalted versus 1, Atlantis 0, spoiler, or uh, Exalted versus Wad, uh, Heaven for Everyone, uh, if you think that I wrote them up as player character exalts, you're a fucking fool. I didn't do that, listener. I'm not doing that. Ever in my life, <laughs> that's not happening. No I, one can I make will, me. I will very rarely do that. Um, yeah, I I, 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 I will say that I did enjoy making Millie and uh, and Philip. Yeah, absolutely. They were actually kind of fun, but like I also had like, well, I'm gonna look for the the combat charms because clearly I need them for this, <laughs> right? No, that's that's fun. Like, there's a value in doing that for sure. I, I don't disagree with it. I just, I, I recoil from the thought. Mm-hmm. Too much. Just really looking forward to just not turn my brain off, but definitely have less brain power active for making combats going forward. Exactly. I, I think that I think that that is my main complaint with Wad as a whole. I think you handled my cult really well. I think you handled the the fallout and the consequences and the background stuff very well. Like that all shined through pretty much exactly how we were looking for it. We, we workshopped it very well. Uh, Rowan's uh, nemesis, the two oh, yeah. times we got to kill him was great. The the time Rowan got to go to town on that dude in Fenchurch in season one was that was excellent. Beautiful. I loved it. Good scene. Good 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 layup for him. Um, the stars were fantastic. They they kind of were exactly the kind of NPC you needed for Peter to like highlight what he's like. He had two archmages, his parents. Like he's he's a billionaire. Like he really played up that guy's. He is out of our league. Um, and like you know everything with Layla. Obviously, like I just spent a bunch of time talking with the Layla stuff, so I'm not going to reiterate it. But that all went <laughs> super well. Um, yeah, like it, it was excellent in pacing and structure mm-hmm. and going along with what we were doing and just kind of rolling with it and keeping the kind of tone and intent. Tone is very difficult for this group and Exalted versus Wad, and especially <laughs> like the, the word I think holding use I, I like. It's, um, oh, what, what's that word when you don't take irreverence? Irreverent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So irreverence sometimes means goofy or silly. Holding use to describe our games once I like it. 
because irreverent also means they hold no reverence to the material that they are like working on. Like it, it, you don't respect it. And our group does that an awful lot. We often don't respect the games we're playing because they're dumb. <laughs> right. They don't deserve it. Right. But like keeping that, that you kept a sort of reverent tone for this game where it was like an exalted game. The vampires were fantastic. I believed that there was a vampire politics system going on. I, I could buy that there was shit happening in the background that was followed of our stuff and followed of the Mithras stuff that we weren't engaging with, you know, even though we only got to see the Camarilla maybe three, four times tops. If you're really stretching it, um, they seemed like a fully at conception organization. Same with the local mages. I believe I those hugely appreciated that. Yeah. I yes. hugely appreciated that. Uh, the, we, the, our characters were able to treat these people like clowns and dipshits, but the world itself, which is say the storyteller never did. Exactly. Like, like, like the mages seemed like real people. That's what Layla was built around. Like, um, if you, if you just pick up vampire from vampire players, you will have the impression that Toreador are uh, a bunch of prissy dipshits. And maybe they are, but they also, they're fucking vampires. They eat mm-hmm. people and they ruin lives for stupid reasons, which does not make the lives any less ruined or the people any less eaten. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I, and I feel like that is the tone and the presentation we always had, and it made the game work, is no matter how much we clowned on these on the setting, the setting still felt like a real place. Right. Yeah. After, um, we, we, we just wrapped up a, we, before this game, we wrapped up another series of large games. It was Star Wars and something else. And I, I wanted to make a concerted effort on the next few games we do to make them more grounded like that. And this was an excellent success for that. Like, um, to, to circle back to the Supernaturals, the mages felt like not only were they were real characters, they felt like people who were interacting with each other for business and like hobby and like research reasons like they would go to each other for help and like do adventures together and stuff like an actual group of mages in a city would they'd know each other they'd be doing favors for each other they'd be doing crazy shit for each other like it felt organic you know yeah yeah i appreciate that um so one of the things that i actually wanted to uh highlight for you all is um i've I've been kind of thinking about it um there are I, I can't count how many times that uh, you you guys impressed me uh, with just the role play and everything else. And I kind of wanted to give like personal shout outs to like sp- kind of like specific scenes you guys re- or like episodes or whatever that you guys kind of uh, really like shine through that. I think that like if listeners listen back, they'll be like, oh, yeah, this is really good. Um. First off, um, for End of Sadness, uh, I know that this was a little bit more work on the background with uh, between me and Devin, hmm. but the time skip episode uh, yeah. when the End of Sadness is constantly showing up in everybody's downtime. Right? That was good. That was a, that was a nice <laughs> that was, rhythm. Mm-hmm. That was uh, fantastic. Um, for Holden, I I gotta go with uh, the time machine episode where that we go back and literally save your friend. That was a good one. Specifically, that was specifically um, when Layla like learns that we built a time machine and like we're gonna do it. And it's like that that's just real. Like like the the ability for Layla to actually be like emotional and vulnerable about that, being like, wait, what? What did you do? 
I mean, it was, uh, I'm actually talking about specifically the moment that Layla, like, sneaks into the window, and, like, I knew that, like, I think that at the time of recording, I was, like, really stuffed up with spring allergies, but, like, I don't know how well that it comes through in the recording, but I'm actually tearing up a little bit, like, having the reunion, because it's, like, it it is actually, like, an emotional moment. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. Um, I... There are so many moments that I can pick from for Rigel that are just like, oh, I did this, I did this wacky thing, and now I have th- this wand of vampire slaying and time stop ability, or I made I made the combination Baskin Robbins time machine cloning facility. <laughs> there are so many just kind of like goofy, not goofy, but like. Out of context, they seem really weird, but like with the context of the game and how broken that, like you found a thing to break and you showed us how weird it gets when it when it's broken and it was fantastic. Well, it seems like, you know, majors and their fascination of like, oh yes, I did this thing. It's kind of weird. I can't explain, you know, how I got here, but here we are. I'm a sidereal or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, going right. I I think that you literally like just kind of coming in and saving the Gamma Cave like effortlessly was phenomenal. Yes. Absolutely. And then for uh, Rowan, I think that I kind of have uh, two moments for you. One when that you're playing the Lunar and one as the Gatimian. Uh, As the Gatimian, it's literally the first episode of season two when that we're trying to figure everything else out about the Gatimians. And I'm just like, I don't know. They, they went and did a cryptid last time. I guess now there's a bunch of spring Jacks here. And like <laughs> just the back and forth of that was like really fun. And as a lunar, um, my favorite moment for you there was actually uh, getting late night curry with Tobias and like, <laughs> There's a very specific moment where he's like, "Were you and Miss Butler dating?" And I, I, I swear, I could feel through through the computer like your face just drop and go, "Oh no! Why does he <laughs> think this?" <laughs> My God! <laughs> that that really did catch me off guard, out of character. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, besides that, as far as the story of the game goes, um, I just, like I said in the intro episode, I just made a as believable supernatural community as I could uh, in a major metropolitan area, which is why there's not a whole lot of werewolves, because they tend to not congregate there. Right. Um, And I think that... I pulled it off as well as I could, and you guys went in and basically fucked everything up, which is what I thought you all would do. Yeah, it was very well done. Very solid. Absolutely. So, Um, uh, I guess, any questions for me? Any regarding, like, plots or anything? I guess that would be a good next thing for as far as the story goes. If not, that's I guess, cool. I guess not. No, okay. I we uh, like, up pretty well. Yeah, we, we wrapped it up pretty yeah. good. Um, I think we did character and story already now. Like I think we've gotten through it. Do yeah. we want to dig yeah. into mechanics yeah. a bit more? Oh, oh and Pete had stuff too. 
Yeah, yeah the last know. thing about this story, I guess, you know, like really the first episode was kind of fun, like exploring that whole uh, house there, whatever that was called, and like, oh. Bolskin Manor? Yeah, oh, Bolskin yeah. Manor, and... I, I meant to loop back to that to see if we could get Nessie involved in the final fight, but it just sort of... We, we got busy. <laughs> we, got, we, we got too busy. We got too busy. That would have been amusing. Maybe next season. <laughs> so yeah, anything else mechanically we should talk about? Or that many changes are coming thanks to this game. Yeah, and po- possibly fucking uh, Death of Obsidian Butterflies among them. Is Jesus Christ. <laughs> You had well, some stuff, yeah. uh, Pete. Like, you had a, a list of things you wanted to bring up. Uh, I mean, I posted that. Um, let's see. Other than the Earthbound to get a lot of firepower to kill, even with the Defopsy and Butterflies. Vampire still being a bit of a pushover, but that's kind of expected with Exalted, I suppose. Yeah, they're mortal plus compared to Exalted. <laughs> They're yeah. not anywhere near the top of the food chain, even within just the vanilla world of darkness. So yeah, which is kind of sad because like everybody knows you know vampires, everybody knows how to run with them and so on. Everybody's played you know masquerade, and yet you know they don't gel that well. So you have to start grabbing stuff from other you know spells that not everybody has read. Next time I'll make uh I'll make werewolves the focus. Let's see how that goes. Oh boy, God, that's going to be. Hey, how many turns do you get? It doesn't matter. There's three ah runes in front of you. Oh, no. (laughs) It doesn't matter. You'll die on the first turn. So the werewolves then take their collective... um, Let's see. There's a pack of five of them. That's pretty sure I've had 12 turns. Um, (laughs) No, excuse me. Five of them? No. So they collectively take their 18 turns, and then... And uh, now you get to go. Are you and now cool we know stance? why five. And now we know why God invented five full ball work stance. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess the thing that was like a little bit harder for us to like pace was like figuring out the Mifras conspiracy because us as players we knew what was going on that you know, he was behind the scenes and then like. Okay, how much do our characters care about this? How much should we deal with this? Should Rigel kill Toby on Mars straight away, right after you know, he opens this off, or should we wait? Um, in hindsight, it's probably good that we did not buckle down and try to start killing that onion early yeah. on, because um, with the reliquary being Stonehenge, that's very... That's they cannot. Once we figured out what he was bound into, that's something that can't be moved and can't be hit. You know, so that would be like okay. It's uh, well, he well then it Mithras goes down as soon as we get a plan together to kill him. You know, or us being us, just pile into a van and drive out there and do it. You know? Right. So considering the reliquary, that's probably good. But... Oh man, you guys we would have never... actually figured that out a little bit earlier uh, if Focused you had, because you guys actually did go out to Stonehenge once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, if I recall, I made I made you all roll me some like awareness rolls, and everyone was like, "Eh, you know, whatever. It's weird ley lines, yada yada." And I'm like, if they get uh, above a certain number, I'm going to start reviewing shit. <laughs> Luckily, all of us have dog shit for for perception plus awareness. So right, 
I think that was my good start. Oh well, I guess I did it all that well that day. Well, regardless. Yeah, why didn't uh, why didn't Rigel just blow it out? <laughs> fucking twelve successes. Because we were trying to get to Mars, my dude. <laughs> that how you guys only had so long on that rental van that you left at Mars. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me, Andrew only had so long on that rental van. Oh, you're ass. right. You're right. You did put it under Andrew's name. Thank you, Andrew. What was the name of that fucking rental van company? Was it like two two guys in a van or something? Du- dudes, du- dudes moving. It was something fucked up. It was it something, something actually kind of funny. Let's see if they wrote that down. It's like man movers or something like that. Uh, I think it was man movers. Oh god, yeah, man. Oh lord, that sounds about right. Must have been it. Yeah, that sounds right. Huh. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to? Uh, I mean, we've kind of been talking about mechanics every now and again, but uh, is there anything else that comes up that we all want to talk about? I mean, I think we all agree that this is that. Well, I've done. Well, I did my best to like sand off the really fucking like rusty tetanus infested edges. It's still a manky system to the nineties. It's yeah. combat drags on for so long. Oh my god, I know. Uh, it's <sighs> yeah, it's not anybody's fault, and it's like you you do the best with. You've done an amazing job, but my god. I mean, it is so much hard. Who released those rules? Who made this combat? <laughs> we'll drag them down. Mm. Oh, dear. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the D-Make. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, it's... One of, the, one of the charms of the game is that it commits the bit so hard, but that's also... One of the big, big downsides to it is that it commits the bit so hard. It is the, an, it is a very authentic World of Darkness experience. Yeah, like the nice part about it c- committing to the bit so hard is that you can very easily port in anything else from World of Darkness. Yeah. But because it commits to the bit so hard, you get all the edges that come with all the Not old all the 90s jank. I I I promise you I have removed many of them. I believe you. Um, just, you you would not you would have gone crazy if uh, this thing allowed um, dice pools, regular dice pool splitting still for multiple actions. Ah, uh, for combat actions. Do it for attacks. Ugh. I split my 20 dice into five attacks. Yeah. That's that's how first edition Exalted worked. You put up five full bulwark stance, so you didn't have to give a shit about defense economy. It's like, okay, how many ways, how many actions can I have, how many attacks can I afford to make and still be pretty sure of getting? And the answer was often like five. Yeah, that's a little right? Per character. Not Oof. per player, per character, because you'd be fighting Dragonblade or some shit. 
<sighs> or God, or God help you, a circle of abyssal. So here's ten characters, and each of them will be throwing like five to eight attacks per round. That just sounds like misery. Yeah, yeah I've spared us that. Huh. Well, um, but yeah, I, I I feel like that decision to um, just have the the system more or less kind of warts and all, or at least feeling like warts and all is what makes it feel like Exalted landing in the World of Darkness and taking advantage of that very high degree of congruity between different versions of storytellers so that they're almost interoperable and now, you know, kind of they are. Mm-hmm. Without that, I, you know, I, without that, if, if I completely overhauled it, I think I may as well have just ported the goddamn thing into D&D 5th edition. Yeah. You know? <laughs> All right, Exalted vs. World Darkness now coming to D anD D fifth edition. At, at oh, look, point, we made so yeah. At which point we're basically doing a new edition of Dungeon the Dragoning twenty thousand. You mean oh, Godbound? We, surprisingly good game, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> oh, see, I was going to make the joke that because that you finally uh, caved in and uh, wanted to make a five e version of it, you're going to make all the money now because everyone buys every book that comes out for five e. Right. I mean, you no. Know, let's play Cyberpunk in D anD D. Odd, you saw that. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, the new thing everyone's talking about. Whatever. The new drama uh, on Twitter. Yes, which by the time this gets uploaded will be like half a year old. Ancient history. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. exactly. 30,000 years ago in internet years. The old magic. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, I'm looking forward to like, trying the new crafting rules when they're more finalized and so we actually you know, are able to engage with them. Because mm-hmm. so far, only like you know, we've only done some theory crafting and some cool stuff, and we haven't even like you know displayed one of those in the actual game. Splendors, yeah, splendors, they're so cool. Yeah, splendors, gadgets, fascinations. I would love to Atlanta engage Zero. with that a little bit more. I feel like Atlanta Zero is going to be where that stuff's going to start coming up because that's a Black Vault playtest. Yeah, if you yeah. get those charms. Someone's going to. It's, I think. I, yeah, okay. Someone's if no one else does, I will. Yeah, we got to get that figured out. But anyway, um, yeah, anything else? I think that um, I mean, besides just, you know, it was great getting to work with you guys and getting <laughs> to run this. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. How did you yeah. do the collab? <laughs> what was that? How did you enjoy the collab? Oh, I loved it. Like highlight of my week whenever that we got to uh when whenever we got to run. It was uh it was really nice and also like, you know, it's it, I know that like people don't hear this on the uh uh on the recordings, but you know, it's nice that like, you know, we sit down and like we have like 30 usually like an hour of like banter before we even like <laughs> get get ready to get going. It it kind of helps put you in like the, the, the headspace to kind of just like hang out with your friends instead of like, okay, we sat down and now it's time to get on this work call, I guess. Like it's, it's a nice, it, it was nice and relaxed, but also like, I felt like that I could talk to you guys seriously about uh like what that I was planning or mm-hmm. anything. And also like every single one of you guys are so great at like the, the improv and like the yes ending, like whatever bullshit that I throw <laughs> at you. 
finally ADHD can be used for good. <laughs> right? Uh, how did you enjoy Holden? Uh, one of the best uh, games I've ever played in. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> really, really fucking good uh, storytelling. I hope that I can at least continue to match going forward. Right. Yeah, me too. I'm holding you to this from now on. No, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> you set the bar too high. No, you're as expected. Oh, no. I put. Bar- I had the bard's tongue flaw activated. <laughs> Seriously, I really, really enjoyed the game. Um, this is the first time in I can't even remember how long I've gotten to play in the world of darkness and have it actually feel like the world of darkness. Um, and it is always nice to go back home to my favorite license setting. Mm-hmm. So thank you everybody for like bringing it to life. Yeah, this was fantastic. It was a great job. Yes. Good well, team effort. Yep. Good job, team. Yeah. And also for horribly disrespecting the shit out of it. And just oh, for kicking sure. it down a hill on fire. <laughs> as much respect as it deserves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, there are so many times where I'm like, yes, these vampires are going to be super serious. But then also, you know, two episodes later, it's like, hey, now we're going to be on top of the combination Baskin-Robbins time machine cloning facility. So <laughs> let's not take ourselves too seriously here. <laughs> Or the vampires show up and we're taking them super, and they're taking themselves super seriously, and like the situation is super serious, and it just ends with like end of sadness, uh, holding two pieces of bread to either side of Venu Primogen's head, like, and what are you, an idiot sandwich, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh... Don't respect vampires. <laughs> they they wouldn't respect you, so why should you respect them? Right. Uh, good stuff. Good, good stuff. Do you think we're good to wrap, or do you want to keep going? Uh, I can't think of anything else that I need to talk about. I think we've exhausted everything. Other than plug it, that, you know, exhausted every sort of actors. Black Vault coming eventually. <laughs> if it's not out Possibly already. Possibly before this recording, but probably not, because that's how release dates work out for me. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see how it all goes down, right? I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm excited to see the DMAC stuff. That'll be fun. Yes. Oh, same. I'm excited to get to run that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I uh, guess then uh, I was Devin. Brendan. Peter. Hold up. Sam. And this was sponsored by Nobody. Signing off. This game is a collaboration between A Pair of Dice Lost and sponsored by Nobody Podcasts. You can find us at apairofdicelost.podbean.com and sponsoredbynobody.podbean.com. You can find Exalted vs. World of Darkness over at holdenshearer.wordpress.com.